Welcome to the Uncomfortable Conversations on Predators in Business, Community, and Culture, a podcast exploring the real-life stories of predatory patterns in our everyday lives, with episodes ranging from well-meaning white people to CPTSD and high achievers' anxiety in a world that has a fetish for peak performance. My name is Guru Nishan. I'm a disruptor of cultural indoctrination and actively support the dismantling of false identity by curating uncomfortable conversations on taboo topics hiding in plain sight. I stand committed to breaking codes of silence, shame, and secrecy in our own families, communities, companies, and cultures, but mostly within our own bodies. This is part two of my interview with Kalika Kanitkar. If you didn't hear the first part, please go back and listen to last week's episode and continue listening to part two today. Thank you so much for listening. And so like, I'm still figuring out how to be like, no, this is a good decision the for me. The information yes, presented in this podcast are for general education Based purposes off of only. My, the views and opinions expressed are solely the views of the individuals And being able involved. to trust that again. By listening, you agree not to but use this podcast as medical advice to treat any uh, medical condition. Stephen Hassan calls it your, your internal locus of including, control. Including, but not like, limited you, you to you patients no longer that you're treating. Nothing in this podcast is intended to replace the services of a trained therapist, doctor, or health professional, and they're telling you as if that's what's best treatment. for you, but in the end, Guru it's really, you know, what's best for them or their organization or whatever, but that's where no you start making decisions be because you're told to do something. Or and, viewer for um, any action not, or inaction it's, it's on your really part you. as that, a result that kind of, of the content all, you consume like, on this the, podcast. The cringy or for any adverse did. reaction, um, including any emotional and I mean, distress maybe when I feel like you experience as a result of consuming this podcast. I didn't do anything like super wild, but it was out of character for me. And I know that it was out of character for me. And that's what, you know, and that's where this concept of the information um, presented in this podcast for general educational purposes very only. dangerous. The views and I don't love it. I do think that there's truth involved. to it. By right? listening, like, you I, agree I, not again, to use this podcast to all of these as medical little advice nuggets to treat that we're any saying, medical condition but, in either um, yourself or others. Including, but not in the limited name to of that you are treating. pushing myself Nothing out of my comfort zone. Nothing in this podcast is intended to replace the services of trained therapist, yet. doctor, or health professional. I or otherwise did, to substitute like, for professional mental health, reach further in advice, sales conversations and recruiting conversations than I would just normally do. Then my intuition no or my social skills or my uh, morals or viewer would for uh, any action or tell me to do. I push beyond that. And from the simplest things of like or for any adverse reaction. Up including with people, any emotional way distress, too many times. Like way too experience many. as he a result no, just of like, consuming this But you're podcast. taught to to think that no means not right now. People's lives change in three months, six months. You should just follow up with them again. And it's like, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> you no, like you should. the information shouldn't. presented in this podcast they, they for general you educational know, purposes like you only. Just the views and there, opinions expressed you know? are solely the or views like, of the individuals involved. By listening, random you agree not to like use a, this podcast as medical like advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or like others, including but not limited to patients a, that you are treating. Nothing in this podcast is intended to replace the services of trained therapists, doctors, or health professionals, or otherwise to substitute so for professional me, mental has, health, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. But I did it. I did it so many times in the name of just networking or, or whatever. And it's like, shall under no circumstances and, and be liable to any listener it, of the podcast like, or viewer for any action or inaction on your part as a result of the content you consume on this podcast or for any adverse reaction, including any emotional distress you experience as Result and and so then podcast. you just continue to go go down that path. 
you know, and it just, I mean, that led me all the way to coaching and I shouldn't have even gone down that path. But again, I believe that I could, this was a viable business opportunity. And I was like, if I'm not getting something, I'll pay someone to teach me, <laughs> but there's nothing to teach. It's, it's a scam. <laughs> It's a scam. Wow, right? Just how the indoctrination <laughs> brings you to think that you are the cause, right? How the whole thing is all about self, which again is this form of gaslighting, teaching us not to trust ourselves. Therefore, we must need. And and I want to say I'm still working on this. You know, yeah. I've only been able to see the amount of coercion and psychological abuse that happened to me in this business. And I'm still learning to trust myself when it comes to what you're talking about, owning your own business, making all the choices around these things. Um, and, and this, I want to really just pause on this. You're just saying some gems, the pushing you out of your comfort zone. It is such a staple motivational motto that the entire industry is predicated on that there's no growth unless you leave your comfort zone, right? So it's always to get you out of what's called regulation with yourself. And regulation is like one of the fundamental ways that we feel ourselves, right? That we notice what we need, our own emotions, these types of things. And then how you make it your responsibility where they say, you have to just get, you know, go out and recruit bigger fish, which essentially is telling you you're not getting quality enough people. So a bigger fish means that you're learning to recruit up to do these uncomfortable conversations, the follow-up you shouldn't have followed up, asking a friend to be your last minute customer again when you know you shouldn't do that because you haven't called them to talk to them for years. And the only reason you've ever called them is to get them to do something back to relationships. The slogans themselves are the built in ways that disconnect us from ourselves. Mm -hmm. They're like almost like thought stopping intentionally. You're just supposed to fixate on, on the slogan and like whatever you're feeling, just kind of like dispel it. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Just, just focus on, on, on That's what, right. you know, on and, that slogan and then it, it jabs a place in you and it is it's thought stopping and this is exactly what cults do and why Stephen Hassan's work and these types of things the more familiar you can get with the language I know you're probably experiencing what I'm experiencing where I'll read something and I'll be like that's it that's yeah. it and you'll read a terminology that some academic yeah. has named and you're like no no totally a hundred percent I mean, even like, even love bombing, like, yes. so they used to put that on a slide at convention. They literally said, love bomb and put it on a slide. And this was right before they dropped a piece of good information, new product, new, whatever release, new bonus. And we're all supposed to lose our minds and go crazy. And I'm like, there it's, it's hiding in plain sight. Like they literally put it up on a slide and said, we're about to love bomb you. And I didn't know that was a tactic that was used by cults, <laughs> you know. To borrow words and to rename them and to actually just like how they're borrowing the name cult and they're saying, well, if this is what a cult is, then I want to be a part then of Then I want to be one, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why yeah. you're the, the group that's going to retire under 20, right? You kind of yeah. start creating cult-like behaviors because you embrace the name as opposed to seeing it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
we had the rhinos and the thick skin you talked about earlier, you know, you would run out of these trainings with your armor on and they'll Uh literally say these things. You got to put your armor on. Uh You got to be ready for all the doubters. And it's like, again, it's hiding in plain sight because you think you're going out there. And you said, you said that too, the warlike analogies that are so built into the the training system as a style. Yeah. It's, it's reinforcing that like us versus them. And like, we get it in here and out there, they don't understand. And, you know, you really do feel like you're a part of something special. And that's why I feel like cult education is so important because instead of being on our side of the fence and deconstructing everything afterwards, it's like if people just knew this and knew that this is how these groups operate, then you would know what to look out for. And ultimately, it's your decision to join something if you want to join it. And a lot of groups have some of these tendencies, but they're not destructive. Like this is where your own abilities to critically think about your experience is important. And like, that's why I feel like it's so important to talk about these things because who doesn't want community in a day where we're so disconnected and all of these things. And that's what it's providing people on social media. Like if it's not being pitched as a job, it's being pitched as a side gig because now everybody needs extra money. It's being pitched as community for people who are just so socially isolated Um, or and social media facilitates communities of specific groups of people like moms or people who like to surf or people who love dogs. And then you can literally just go pick whichever one network marketers can go pick whichever one they're interested in and go prey on that group of people. And like, essentially that's what they're doing. And these are just people looking for community, just like any, any of us. Right. And who doesn't want other like-minded people around them that you can, Share, share conversation and connection with, you know? And so that's why I think it's important to point out like the, the destructive parts of these because groups are everywhere and right. you should not be a part of a group that you resonate with, but you should know what red flags to like look out for. Right. And this red flag language where like you saying a good network marketer can pray into any of these groups and they'll be, they'll talk about their dog and then they'll just be very social and then they'll love bomb and then they'll invite to say, you know, it's not so obvious because good ones, if you're really learning from this training system and na- again, we can, you can begin to spot the techniques because it's mm-hmm. overly friendly. Like I have good network marketers that they're shaking. Hello, how are you? My name is, you know, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so engaging that you're kind of like, wow, that was like the friendliest person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they didn't want anything from me. And that's because they're just in the phase of the grooming, connecting, mm-hmm. learning about you, but not moving to the ask of anything. Um, you also said one of the pitches However, the pitch is right. Career level income, you know, that, that lingo, that lingo to me was like, it totally stood out because it's exactly what you're describing now, where all the different pitches that are available to reach into people that are really just searching for community or really just searching for part-time income or really just searching from some stability wants to make a little bit of extra money and blah, blah, blah. Uh You know, they're no longer selling it as the thing that can change your life forever. Once you're bought in long enough, now it's the three to five year dream, Uh Uh but it's, it's, it's painting you whatever you need to hear until Uh then, until you're fully Uh in. Yep. And for me, and I kind of touched on it before, but a few things that I feel like kind of played or what were preyed upon or played into me being um, recruited was I wasn't sold on my career path. 
So this is why career level income was appealing to me. Like I didn't join at first I didn't join to make any money. I just wanted to travel, but if there was an income opportunity attached, why not participate in it? Right. And so that was where I started. Um, but then as I saw it being painted as build a team and make some money, then it was okay. If I can create career level income from this, then I don't have to settle for a job that I'm just half ass about, you know? And so I was pre-optometry and I was like very blah about it. I'm like, I'll do it because it'll be, it's a respectable career. It's good money. I'm good at school. I'm Indian. So they expect you to be a doctor most of the time anyways. And so this, these are the things that like played into it. Right. So that's why I was on that path. But then I was like, Hey, I could do this and make like money and build something for myself. And it can actually be career, like money that I, a full-time income that I can live off of. And so like that was definitely, um, you know, that, that was what they pitched me because they knew that that's where like my, my little pain point was, you know, and, um, a little bit kind of, kind of related also not just my background also, I think made me, there's certain things in my background. I feel like made me susceptible to not necessarily getting in, but staying in so long or falling in so deep. Mm. Um, again, I grew up in a pretty strict Indian family. Um, and my mom, my mom passed when I was nine. Um, and so my dad was the masthead, very traditional Indian father. So um, very conservative. I was very, um, I felt like I was very muted as a child. I just, emotions like were not allowed. Um, I was like the, definitely black sheep later on, but I was, you know, my, my brother was just like the, the, just the, very easygoing, not the problem child. I was the one who just like, I wasn't a problem child either, but like, I just like wanted to do things that were like outside of the normal bubble. And it was like, well, your brother didn't. So you, you know, you don't need to do that. So I felt very like limited in my expression. I was an excellent student because if I wasn't, I would be in trouble, you know? Um, so I, I excelled in school, but I was still not allowed to do anything. And, um, kind of a narcissistic personality in my father, very controlling authoritarian style of parenting. Like I'd rather lie than admit I did anything wrong because, so at a point I, by 16, I was living a double life. Like I had the life he knew about and the life he didn't know about because I, I my psyche was like fracturing from this whole thing. Um, and so I, narcissism plays into this for sure. Being around narcissistic, narcissistic personalities makes you, it, it's another form of coercive control, you know? And so. That's right. and, um, and it's basically primed our brains to be able yes. to then be able to not just tolerate an environment like that, but to actually quote thrive in it. Yeah. And, and the whole being like, I had to be a perfectionist. I had to, you know, it was like a survival type mechanism. So then when you put me in an environment where you say the only barrier between you and your success is how hard you work, I will go hard and I'll just keep going. And and so not that I think that's a bad personality trait. It's just if you have qualities like that, that that's something that people can prey upon, you know? And so that's what I feel like that I think that is a big piece of why I just dove in and and it, 
I, like I said, I got myself to believe that fundamental lie. So when you take that as the truth that this is real and you can make it work, then I was just going to, like I had said, I'm going to go down with the ship. And I like literally did go down with that ship. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I can relate so so much. It was definitely what got, I had no idea that, that what you just described is true, but it's absolutely true for me. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been hard to like, you know, and my dad just passed last year and, and, even with him, like I told you, my psyche like was fracturing at 16. I moved out when I was 18. Um, on my 18th birthday, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I had to move out for my mental health. And I was estranged from my family um, at the time that I was shown this as well. And so I do believe that's another thing where if you don't have that, that solid support network that you'll trust that can either shield you from things or be close enough to you to uh, get to you before you get sucked in. Um, it makes you more susceptible. Again, I don't, I don't regret leaving home when I did, but um, I do think that made me vulnerable to other communities. And I, this isn't the only, you know, I met a lot of different people after I moved. I was so sheltered and then I left and I had to do everything on my own. So there was a lot of figuring the world out for the first time at 18, things that, you know, my peers maybe had been exposed to younger or had more socialization or had more extracurricular experiences, which I just hadn't, you know? And so there was a lot of me meeting different types of people. Um, But I do think that opened me up to this, right? Like I was also, you know, come from a upper middle-class family where if I had just stayed in that little bubble, um, my dad would have put me through college and I probably would have been a doctor and I, I don't think I would have ever looked at any other income opportunities. And I don't know how happy I would have been in, in that scenario, but I wouldn't be here, you know, but then I left home and I put myself in the blue collar workforce. And then I got exposed to like a lot of different people that I would have never met. Um, and then, you know, and so I, being separated from your family, not really having a solution from that, being in the midst of all these issues, um, that's also preyed upon when you're looking for community because then these people are like, Hey, we got you, we're here for you, you know? And then that's, that's right. where you're like, Oh, maybe this is my real family, you know? And then that's, that's where lines start to get, get a little blurry. Um, another thing I want to mention bef- before we, I forget, cause it keeps popping up is the grooming thing because that first year after that religious thing at, in Hawaii, right. The next day or later in the weekend, we, I have a chance to meet Mark. So this is the first time I met Mark, like face to face. Of course he recognized me because he recognized me from the, this, the session and literally staring me down and he's like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, I know who you are, you know, and, um, Aaron introduces me to him and that's when he's like, Oh, you know, you go to Berkeley, you're studying, you're studying the mind, you know, you know, something about psychology. Oh, you'd be really good at this, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, of course, when the director of your company is like, oh my gosh, you're, you could be really good at this. This, That's where I feel like they're implanting belief intentionally when they see somebody who could potentially take this and use it to psychologically manipulate a bunch of people or be really good at this. They want to show you that extra attention up front. So that it's a little bit harder. Yeah. So, I mean, I was so excited, right? Like when somebody at the top of the company is showing you that special attention, you're like, okay, like, I think I can really do this. Like, 
this is when I'm maybe four to five months in, right? This is my first year. I'm still just getting in. I'm showing a bunch of people. I've probably, um, I think my first year probably sold about 50 memberships, you know? So I think it, I did pretty good sales wise, but of course it doesn't <laughs> translate to anything um, in the comp plan. Um, but um, I was really excited, really excited about it, meeting him and, and hearing him say that. And then, um, he goes, are you going to go to boot camp? Because boot camp is the next one. And then the view from the edges at the end. So boot camp is the summer one. And so this was in like April or May. And so boot camp is the summer one. And it's like military themed. And um, he's you're going you're gonna to be at boot camp. And, you know, because the whole, that's another concept of leaders only want to give you their time if you're going to be coming to training. So ingrained, you know, they always taught us this at, at um, events too, like, they would tell you if you had a team, um, only spend time with the people that are showing up to training when you get to that point. So this thing kind of like it's embedded, but it was like, oh, are you coming to boot camp? And I'm like, oh no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be at boot camp actually, because I'm studying abroad in Thailand this summer. But I'm actually gonna go to the Thailand boot camp. So I had decided that I was gonna miss since I was gonna miss training here, I and I had committed to going for a full year that I would go to the boot camp in Asia because they were having it in Bangkok and I was studying abroad. I was gonna spend the whole summer there. So I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. So you could see already, I'm, I'm pretty getting pretty bought in here, right? Like, like I'm gonna go, go to a MLM training in another country, like by myself, like what, why, why would I ever do that? Um, and then, he's like oh okay well that's great like he was like so, like so supportive of that he's like here let me give you my phone number and um you know message me on whatsapp and so then you know i could we could have each other's number and then send me send me a message when you're out in thailand and you know you know we can we can have dinner or something and i'm like oh my god like blown away that marcus is like inviting me to have dinner with him in thailand so then i go i'm doing like this public health program in Thailand for like two and a half months and so um I'm there and and on one of our weekends is this training and we had our weekends free and so I've gotten a taxi and went down to Bangkok and, and went to this event and and I pause, mean you paid for this training in Bangkok I paid for this training yeah, yeah. I paid That's for this training in Bangkok and again these are overwhelmingly thousands of people um also Asian events are way different because they're like fascinated with Americans. And so like everybody wants to take your picture. <laughs> so I'm like getting bombarded with people that want to take my picture, which is super weird. And anybody who's like white who's there is like, oh my gosh, like there's a super line to talk stellar. to them. Yeah, yeah. There's like, it doesn't matter if they're ranked or not. It's like, it was, it was just a really strange, interesting dynamic to be at these conventions where there's thousands and thousands of people. Okay. And like, it's a little bit different because a lot of them don't even speak English. Some people are listening with headphones, all these. And so it's a whirlwind. I'm at this first event, but I had texted Mark and I was like, he's like, come meet me for dinner at our hotel. And so I go after the event, I go meet him and I have dinner with him and his exec, like not his execs, but like his um, production team. Like he has, he's been doing production with the same people like Monaco Perez is his a sound guy. He's been a sound guy forever. Um, and, um, so like his production team, the leader of the, um, the ambassadors. So the people that worked the event were also volunteers who bought tickets to the event. 
And then they would the work. parallel. I'm so disgusted. <laughs> and his sound guy was probably his volunteer guy from his original sales team. Like I had described I Freddie and the Dave Barlage because the sound guy, the production team, these were all the people. Oh, I'm so disgusted. And this is your first year. Right. Okay. Yep. Because he's having sp- meet me at the hotel for a private meeting. Oh my God. Go ahead. And like we had, we had dinner and it was like in the restaurant, there was like maybe eight or 10 of us. And, you know, we sat there and of course he's like ordering super fancy wine. Like here, like just, it's, it's to show the lifestyle. Yeah. It's just, and and to get you to like spending that time with him built so much belief in me that carried me forward for years in that company for no goddamn reason. No goddamn good reason. No goddamn good reason, except for his masterful deceit. Like, and he like presented himself as like a father figure, like gave me a kiss on the forehead before I left. Like, I I loved it. I loved the whole thing. I thought I'm like, oh, I feel so special. You know what I mean? Okay, I really can do this. I'm getting clarification or validation from somebody who's successful at this, that I could be successful at this too. If he says I can do it, it's not just like, oh, if they can, I can. It's like, this is somebody who's the pinnacle, who's telling me that I can do this too. Like, and that built so much belief in me. Um, And then, you know, I I left and I spent the rest of my time in in Thailand and whatever. Again, I'm on a Denver team, but I'm located in in, um, the Bay Area. And so I'm, uh, we're, always, there's always a promo. There's always, um, uh, something you're pushing for, make a sale and you get to go to dinner with the leaders, make a sale. You get to do this. Da, 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 da. It's all, it's all. And a lot of the prizes aren't even prizes. It's time with them. You know what I mean? You have the same theme in, in your story. It's, it's like the prize is being around these people. Like they, it's, it's like a created, no, they like manufacture their fame. Yeah. 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 Self-importance. Like they manu, they, they create it. I didn't think I, you, I didn't think you were anybody special before this, but you made a whole contest around spending time with you. So I guess you must be somebody important, you know? And, and so then they, they would do that around like when a trainer would come into town and there'd be times where like Mark would fly into Denver and they'd be like, Oh, if you make a sale then you can qualify to have dinner with Mark. I qualified for all the promos but I, a lot of those in-person ones, I was in California. I'm like, I'm not flying to go to dinner with, you know, so I, I would qualify, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't get the reward on a lot of the smaller ones. Like, don't get me wrong. I got on a plane to go to training in Denver so many times for what reason? I don't know. Like even for a one day, super Saturday or whatever, I like flew out. I'm like what, like why, you know what I mean? But so I did that plenty of times, but like, if there was just like a promo where it's like one sale and you go to dinner after training, I'm like, I'm not going to fly out for something like that. And so there was a lot of promos where I didn't get my like reward for it, you know? And so my, the, the top rank in WV was called international marketing director. So IMD. And so the, I am the Rat Pack IMD would be like my upline or whatever. Like he's the top of our tree. Um, he told Mark, he's like, oh, you know, Kalika qualifies for like all the promos and she's just like not here, you know? And so they, they make a little video together, like Mark sending a special message to me, um, 
from Lorenzo and just, hey, you're a rock star, like keep qualifying for all the promos and da, da, da. And, and like, that was my reward. And I loved it. Again, I loved it. I was like, I feel so special that they went out of their way to do that for me. What did they give me? Like literally nothing. It's a recording of the two of them in a car telling me I'm a rock star for like five minutes. You know what I mean? Like nothing really that special, but it meant so much to me. Um, again, grooming, because what this served to do is keep me bought into the system for years. And 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 what that does is this is this is how I think of network marketing as a long con. They're basically just extracting money from their reps as much as they can potentially get from you over the lifetime of your tenure. And when they've gotten what they can get from you, they're done with you. And that's it. And unfortunately, oh, like I said, I did have extra money at the time to pay for trainings. I did have, you know, the ability to do this and yeah, most of that's spent. Most of that's spent, you know, it's like, where did, where did that go? Like I, I could justify it um, when I was in, because I'm like, I'm getting all these amazing experiences and going on these trips. I'm going to these places, I'm learning things, but it's like, you don't realize how much money you're bleeding by by just participating. And again, I wasn't front loading inventory or anything like that. I wasn't in one of those companies where that happens. Cause when that happens, that's just a multiplier effect of where there's boxes of shit stacked around you in your house that you're spending money on every single month. I wasn't doing that. You're um, just talking about the training investment. Essentially just the training. And then occasionally when I drop below having my enough to get my membership fee waived, sometimes I would have to pay my membership fee. Cause like I was, I was, gold, but they want you to upgrade to platinum, right? So the next level up, which is hundred bucks a month, but then you need eight people to waive that membership fee. So at, when my organization started dropping off later on and I stopped sponsoring and my personals fell off, because again, I had a lot of customers who bought to support me, but how long are they going to keep paying 50 or hundred bucks a month when they're not doing anything with it? They're just not. Mm -hmm. And so when those would fall off, like there was a couple of times I was starting to pay hundred bucks a month for my membership. So there were times where that happened, but again, not like thousands of dollars on inventory. A lot of it is going to training, the associated costs with that, and then paying for training materials. And this will go into the next piece of uh, tools and like the whole tool scam. The tool <laughs> they, scam. They, I just want to uh, pause before you jump. I wanted to say the validation. I mean, these are really key moments where you're being seen you're being seen for your effort and your commitment and getting this little video where the top leader, you know, the, the director of sales for the entire company leaves you a message, right? We should, we should not make this little because yeah. what it does, like you're saying, that, that it fuels that belief for the next number of years and they absolutely know it. Um, yeah. The fact that you would get on a plane to go into Denver to be able to be a part of some of the things, you know, is the depth of, of what belonging feels like, right? Mm -hmm. What being actually seen feels like, because yeah. being able to arrive in your city where your upline makes you a deal and your story's told it's different than just quote, going to training. Then you can see through the fallacy that it's not just the training. It's yeah. the story they're painting mm -hmm. that goes along with the training. Yep. And the story being like that quick, fast success story, which again, it didn't, I mean, I made a couple hundred dollars off of it, like maybe like 800 or a thousand dollars, those first couple months or whatever. But like that story became my story 
And you're not going to be like, I'm sorry, everybody. That's not true. A couple months later, I'm not making any money. You don't do that. You don't deny a public adoration of yourself. And so that's a part of that group dynamic thing, right? That the, that they, they perpetuate these stories because they know the human psyche can't bow out. We would have to just ghost. Right. Yeah. And you learn how to use words so that you're not lying but you're also not telling the honest truth, right? right? Like my story just became like, oh yeah, I signed up and within two months I got my membership fee waived and I never paid for my membership again. Even just that, even though I never hit another rank after that for five years, it doesn't matter. But just that one little story, especially because it's a, a, a story of someone getting small success at the very beginning, that story just gets like repeated over and over again, because it doesn't matter if it's been five years, if you can just sign up and get your fees waived in two months, hey, that's a compelling story. If you can do it, anyone can do it. And the same thing with my like product side of the story, the product was the dream trips, which were there, like the membership was the product. That's what you would sell. But then they had flagship curated group trips, essentially, that were called dream trips. And so you would like book a dream trip and then um you could book it with just whoever you wanted to book it with but then dream trips was putting it on wv was putting it on on location so there was other people who were taking advantage of that same deal as you were so there was other dream trips members there you could participate with them in event and activities or you didn't have to it was up to you you know so it's kind of a group trip but you don't have to spend all your time with those people type of thing those trips were great and I go on my first trip, which is a, a team trip. It's a Rat Pack mega trip. So there's like a couple hundred people on the Rat, ta- Rat Pack and, team there. And you're all paying for your own trips. Yep. Okay, yep. Just so you're paying for your membership for this club, which once, if you have enough people below you, okay, that 50 bucks a month mm-hmm. is waived, but the trip itself, you're still buying. Um, it is the the pitch is that it's way more discounted as a member of the club than outside, which it was a great price. Like something that would have been, if I, some of the places we went would have been $2,000 out of pocket where I paid maybe 500. Right. So like there were like some, some good deals there. You're not paying your, that's not including your flight though. So it sounds better than it is because your flight ends up being like $700 or like whatever, you know? Um, but we go on this trip, this Rat Pack mega trip and that's where I met my boyfriend. So I met him on my first trip and he's great. We're great. I moved here because we're still together and nothing to do with world ventures anymore, which is awesome. And that's great. But that became my product story the entire time that I was in. So as much as I was proud of it, I was excited about it. Like, who would they want to go on a dream trip and just meet the love of their life and just happily ever after, right? Like that became my product story. So then even though I didn't have a business success story necessarily, it became like share your product story, you know, because then this, and I'm sharing this because even though it was a great um, uh, part of my life, it was probably one of the best things that came out of this whole involvement for me. And I, I don't regret that at all. But it's still being exploited to recruit other people to get in the club because then it becomes like, well, hey, if you join, you could meet somebody on a trip. And a lot of people did. So then that was like, oh, my gosh, so many people just like meet somebody, you know. And so even if it's not from the financial perspective, whatever story that they can use, then it gets used. And 
again, you're made to feel special when you're asked to share it because I was working so hard. I was doing the work. I was signing people up. I wasn't ranking. I wasn't ranking because I wasn't recruiting. And also this company was failing that nobody was talking about, right? Like this is also happening in the background that this company's literally going under, but nobody's telling you. Um, but that becomes like my story. So then even if I don't have a business success story, I have this product success story and that's even, even better. And again, great part of my life, but it was used and it was like, it's used as a lure and it's a distraction because it's, again, it's a huge part of the lifestyle and the painting of the vision of what we really long for in our life, as opposed to, is this a viable business model? Yep. And like uh, the same thing as giving me a special video or like asking me to speak, you feel so special when you're asked to share this story. And so they're just using it to, to lure in the demographic of people that that's going to lure in, but they're also using it as a carrot for me um, to be like, Oh, we want to have you on this zoom and have you share your story. We want to have you share your story in this page. And you know, 20,000 people are going to see it. Oh, you know, it makes you feel important. Again, getting you more entrenched in what you're doing, the belief in what you're doing and putting it out there in the public eye, which makes it harder again to like leave or change the story or, you know, whatever that may be. And then oh my of God, course, the that, social obligation of it is just so big. Yeah. Yeah. And then also it kept, that also kept me because we were both in, like we were both in it. And we lived in two different places. He lived in Denver and I lived in the Bay Area. So then every event was an excuse to go see him. Like not the only reason, but a lure again to keep it, stay in, keep going. Now, was he a part of World Ventures too? So when you met, you guys were both just both in. He wasn't just randomly at that hotel. No. That's why he was We were both on that trip. Yep. Got it. We were both in that. Yeah. And then that's why he's here. And then. I ended up moving out here like in 2020 in the pandemic, but we'd been dating for five years at that time. And so I'm like, okay, well, it's time for me to like move. Um, But that kept me in for so much longer um, than I needed to be in. And he, he started checking out before I did. So he started stepping away because him and his brother, who I I live with both of them now, um, they were both in. And they started stepping away before I did. They started noticing some dissonance with how leaders were acting versus um, like how they're portrayed versus what's really going on. You started to notice some cracks and like how people are behaving. They were also a little um, like further up. Um, And so when the company started, yeah. So when the company stopped paying commissions, they like, they got clued into that before I got clued into that, if that makes sense. So they were noticing a few things going on behind the scenes that um, I didn't know. Um, And so they kind of, I want to say they kind of stepped away maybe in 2018 or 2019, where I was still trying to go for it. Um, And even after he stepped away, like I was still bought in and it was still part of my story and it still kept me in and going, even though, he was no longer even like I, he even came to a couple events with me once he'd stopped building because I wanted to go and he like he wanted to just support like he'll support anything I do. So like he just wanted to support. And so he came to a few trainings with me after, even though he wasn't building, you know, and so it's weird that like, yes, that story was exploited. And yes, 
him being in kept me in for so long. But even after he wasn't really in anymore, it still worked to keep me in because it was still part of my story. I still met him there, right? And like, that was the piece that like, I had some cognitive dissonance over when I was leaving because my upline that IMD, when I started posting anti-MLM content, he was one of the first people that reached out to me and asked me, so what, you know, what changed your perspective on the network marketing industry and whatever, you know? And I was like, well, it's really predatory. I have a very bad taste in my mouth from what happened to WV and I just think it's unethical and I don't want anything to have to do with it anymore. <laughs> I told him that. He's like, yeah, well, you met Kelly here. So it wasn't all bad, was it? And so like this is thrown back in my face and this That's is right. the apologists for this kind of behavior. This is what they'll say. Oh, but there was good. Like, okay, there was good. I'm not denying that there was, there was a lot of good. I would actually say my overall experience was probably pretty good. If I don't count the fact that I wanted to make money and I didn't make money. Aside from that, I would say my overall experience was like positive. I felt like it felt good at the time. You know what I mean? Um, but just because good things came out of it doesn't mean that that makes any of this okay. Like, yes, I'm better on camera. I'm better in, in front of people. I'm a better speaker. I'm more articulate. I've had the courage to start my own business, which I don't think that I would have done had I not been exposed to network. And so many good things came out of this, but that doesn't make any of it okay. It doesn't make <laughs> the abuse, right? It doesn't negate yeah. the abuse. And it, it, I'm with you. It doesn't make any of it okay. It doesn't make any of it okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, the way that that's gaslit, the way that this person who's fully in, what was his name again? The uh, upline IDM? Person? The IMD, um, his IMD. name's Lorenzo. Lorenzo, Lorenzo, the Lorenzo yeah. guy. The way that he puts that back, well, it's not all good, you know, it's not all bad. And and so many groups do this, and it's a form of gaslighting and victim shaming because somebody's speaking to what's never been allowed to be spoken to before within a group dynamic and ethos that holds that veil of silence in kind of this weird secret way. And as soon as somebody breaks, quote, the unspoken code, that's one of the languages you can, you'll get it in spiritual spaces. You'll get it in yoga spaces, in, um, uh, personal developments, you know, sexual enlightenment spaces, all of them, because it's really just a course of course of control tactic. Yeah. When people are speaking out, they throw something back that's used as a lure to keep you in because it creates that stop, th stop, stop, stop thought thought stopping <laughs> thought stopping that makes yeah. you say well that's true and so therefore you can't you don't see feel seen in what it is you're yeah. saying you get mm -hmm. it's a lure again yeah yeah and it's just it's that's that's the biggest feedback that I've gotten since I've been starting conversations that I've been starting and that's why I try to preface it like listen I'm coming from an anti-MLM perspective that's not to say that good things don't happen I'm just like not here to talk about the good things that happen to um kind of temper the bad things that happen the point here is to talk about the bad things because all you hear when you're in are the good things so let's fill out the conversation and talk about the other side of it I'm not denying that that piece exists like yep. there are a lot of good things but this it doesn't is, legitimize it. It doesn't yeah. actually make it valid because as you said, you <laughs> might've gained and gleaned a lot of skills, 
But, you know, you might have been able to do that in lots of different places. You know, it doesn't make that abuse plausible or acceptable or worth it. And you don't need to. I mean, it's that whole ends justify the means thing. You don't need to go through this to get those results. You could have had those results elsewhere. You could have met that person elsewhere. You could have learned those skills elsewhere. You could have, you know. And yeah, I know somebody would might come back at me and like, oh, you wouldn't have met him if he wasn't on that trip. Like that synchronicity put us in the right place at the right time. I love I'll, I love using phrases that, that network marketers like to use because then I can like kind of take them back. You know what I mean? Um, but it. like, yeah, it's, you know, all those things can be learned elsewhere. Community can be found elsewhere. Business skills can be learned elsewhere. You know, like sales skills. Work can be ethic, dedication, commitment, all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> We're covering a lot of stuff here. It is. It's tremendous. <laughs> and I love how you're just speaking to it because I can very much relate in terms of my own experience. Um, and you're painting the picture so clearly because this is really what it's about. These things are real time happening right now. They're not red flaggy because they use the words so that they quote sound trauma informed so that they Uh sound legitimate. Like it's so sophisticated. They're taking the language, regurgitating it and remanufacturing a product that is including elements of truth wrapped around tremendous amount of tactical coercion. Uh And they're becoming savvy to the language. Like you were saying that we're using here to discuss some of the tactics. And so um, they're getting thrown back. Uh, like even I think yesterday, the day before I got a comment on my YouTube, just like a, a dude just raving, ranting and raving about how I suck because the business model is great. And he knows 50 millionaires and three billionaires. Right. So this guy goes off in my comment section about this and telling me that my work ethic sucks or my choices suck, essentially, was was why I'm a hater. OK. And so he goes off about this whole thing. And I commented back and I said, this is characteristic gaslighting behavior in the network marketing space. and he writes back and goes, and I said, I said, I wrote, this is characteristic gaslighting in the network marketing space. You win the word salad award. And I put a little trophy right next to it. And then, <laughs> and then he goes, you're going to keep making excuses for failure and keep calling names and all this other stuff. But I know I'm right. And it's like, you just called me names. You just did everything that you're, but you're going to turn around and project it on me. And my philosophy is I don't argue with a pro MLMer because they're going to be more entrenched in their views. And what did he do? He just basically said that I am just so entrenched in my own views that I'm not going to listen to anybody else. You know, so he just flipped it right back around on me because they're becoming savvy to the, the words that we're putting to these things. And then they're taking it and using it to just gaslight you even further. Exactly. And it's so emotionally based and it's a regurgitation of more word salad that the non-engagement, right? I totally agree with you. Like I can't engage with um, people with that stance, say from 3HO or Kundalini Yoga. And I have a a podcast where people come at me and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to have that conversation with you. Sorry. And and because you can't, right? It just ends up um, the, the amount of projection is so big that there's nothing for you to do there. And it's actually healthy boundaries for us to just be like, nope, not going to do that. And how you wrote the little comment so that all the voyeurs that are watching your channel can see that interaction because 
the interaction is public and people get yeah. to have their own sense of feeling around like, whoa, that doesn't make sense. Look at the cognitive dissonance in that exchange. Yeah. Isn't that wild? And these yeah. are the types of things that can be waking people up that yeah. never comment, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I, I, that was the reason for me wanting to respond at least once because I don't want the person who is failing in network marketing to read that comment and be like, oh, it is me, you know? And so that's why I do want to comment back. And I didn't want to create like an echo chamber where I'm just deleting everybody who doesn't agree with me because I've gotten some, some people who pose respectful disagreements and I'll have, I'll, I'll comment back because if we're going to have a discussion let's have a discussion yeah um but like I didn't want the the person down on themselves reading it to be like oh shit maybe they're right because I also recognize from my early days of leaving where you feel like you could still get swayed back That's right. um I where think you think it's, it's it's, it's so just important. like a difference of opinion. It's right. It's so important that it doesn't end up being pitted as an ideological difference. Yes. And so what you came in and de did, at least from what you're describing, he rants and raves and you come back as, well, that's cat constant gaslighting or that's classic gaslighting. You win the award for wor word salad. Both those terms allow somebody who is voyeuring the conversation that could be on that teeter be able to be like, huh, look at this calmness of you just pointing out what that behavior is expressing. And then yeah. look at them come with another tidal wave of more word salad, which they might not have heard that terminology before you yeah. said it. You might not engage anymore after that first comment because you can recognize what that behavior is. But yeah. somebody who's in the teeter can't. And so if you jump in with your emotions like you're wrong, blah, 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 or you start deleting, it's not you coming from a therapeutic stance that says, no, I recognize that behavior. I'm not going to do that because I know what that is. That's word salad. And you just, you thought stopped the rant. And so the voyeurs yeah. do yeah. get to see that. Yeah. Same thing. I, I'll do the same thing. That's classic gaslighting. But in spaces that aren't necessarily safe, that's all I can say sometimes. I can't actually say all my thoughts and feelings yeah. because they'll take all your actual right. words and flip it on you. So just stopping at that terminology actually is the winner. Yeah. I mean, because I'm like, I could, I'm definitely not going to refute all the things, you know, because that's the, that's how they paint it when you're in also is that it's a difference of opinion. Yes. People that think that this is a pyramid scheme just don't get it. They just don't understand or they just they just have this opinion and they have this mindset that they're a negative hater. There's just two ways to think. There's this way and then there's this way. And it's like, no, this isn't two opinions. This is reality versus like manipulation. Like That's right. and trying to point those things out because when you're fresh out or when you're thinking about leaving or you're, you know, you do still think it's a difference of opinion. You yes. can't, um, I, like I, I would watch a trainer, like I'd watch a, a, a Mark Setta or I'd watch a Ray Higdon or I'd watch somebody that I'm just starting to deconstruct from or deprogram from. And I'd watch it and be like, oh, maybe they're right, you know? And then you'd like kind of sway back the other way, you know? And that's why this kind of content, that's why seeing people um, debunk trainers live side by side is was really helpful for me. Like watching Julie take Julie and Ray and stop what Ray was saying and break it down. Because then you can be like, I used to believe this is what he's saying. 
now when I take the time to pause it and think about it and look at another perspective, I can actually see a bigger picture of what's going on. And it took a lot of that before I could um, see that it wasn't just a difference of opinion. But mm. when you're fresh out, a lot of people are like, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. Maybe both people just think differently and they're both right. You know what I mean? Like you don't really know how to make sense of it. Um, and so I really yeah. do. I really do because it it is a strategy where people that are in or people that are on that teeter and not fully doing deprogramming level work where they're reading and looking into the coercion tactics and cult cult I call it cultic studies um they do make it an ideological difference and and wanted to like we'll just agree to disagree and what we're coming in as is no these are manipulative coercive tactics and i'm not yeah. going to engage with somebody that's not yet willing to have a proper conversation with me about what's yeah. actually taking place in real time yeah no definitely yeah that's mm -hmm. a great way to put it you you said it great <laughs> i'm just really happy about the way that you're breaking it down for the way it's showing up on the internet today because yeah, from what I'm hearing you say, you know, the Marcusetta, but then the Ray Higdon, he's the guy that was the rank makers guy. So this dude is coaching. Uh, he has a coaching system that basically recruits network marketers into his training system. And, and soon into his training system, they forget that they're really focused on their network marketing business and they're focusing more on their rank makers, which really shows how great these, these coercive tactics are to focus on the 90 day plan or, mm -hmm. or their next thing, because these systems are everywhere. Right. And you're just matching modeling mm -hmm. like a good system should, so to speak, mm -hmm. find something and duplicate it and these types of things, but rank, but Ray Higdon was not, anything having to do with Marcusetta. This was you feeling like you're not hitting where you needed to hit and you got additional coaching outside of your training. Yes and no. Okay. It was actually co oh my God. Phyllis it's not I mean it wasn't it wasn't they didn't meet in my world, but Ray Higdon was a top earner in New Miss, which got bought by World Ventures. And he was grandfathered into like world ventures so i think a kind of joe delisle situation happened because yes. i don't think he did great in world venture like he got in at pre-launch in numis and hit the top of the company essentially like i think the majority of the company was in his downline or whatever and so that was his like claim to fame right and again he came from like 10 11 other companies also so he's been he's a serial guy who got got in at pre-launch with the right company knew the whoever's and got the right position in the pyramid to make money got or at least to make a story or to make a story yeah he got they got bought out i'm pretty sure by wb back in i don't know exactly when this was before mm -hmm. i joined so he did know marcusetta because he mm -hmm. came into marcusetta's training system he's used some of marcusetta's stuff in his rake maker stuff i've seen it um because i would be on that training and he'd be like my buddy marcusetta i'd be like oh, I don't know him. you know like um, the lap over actually gives you a sense of like, I'm at the right place at the right time, as opposed yeah. to seeing the holes in the, in the storyline. It actually kind of makes you feel like, Oh, maybe that's synchronicity because this and this know each other in some other world. And Oh my God. You're like taught to see all signs as confirmation that you're in the right place. <laughs> I'm I, see, and oh my God, so is that not so true? It, so many things are like now not what's the word 
they just don't they lost all their meaning they they just lost all their meaning to me like I would look for signs for things like very innocently before but like now I I don't see a sign in anything like I know but (laughs) I see a sign that you're gaslighting right I see a sign sign I see see red flags I just see see signs (laughs) I see signs of coercive tactics (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he and then this is why I asked you about DJ Barton, because he said he was in a previous company with Travis and Mark that sold water filters. So me That's just trying to put two and two together is, did Equinox sell that too? Or did they, they have- They did, but but Travis just would have been right at the end of Equinox. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, so if that, you know, um, okay. true. So- it makes me think it was more Trek, but DJ yeah. Burton was a name that would have been further away in the training network, but he definitely yeah. sounds familiar. So I know that's why I want to say it was from Trek. Cause I recognize the yeah. name. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how he, cause he's significantly younger than Mark. He's probably maybe 15 or 20 years younger than Mark. So I think the way he tells the story is like the way him and Travis tell the story is that Mark was like a big dog. And they just wanted to share a stage with him back however many years ago. Um, I want to say Travis is probably bigger than even DJ at that time. I feel like he was young. He was like fresh out of like 18 year old into network marketing type of, or maybe 20 years old. Like he was young at the time. And I want to say now he's probably in his forties. So I I don't know, but um, he was probably younger at that time. Um, But he's been in the industry forever i think he went to acn so i i want to say he was probably in um he was in trek and he was probably one of those come up stories you know there were like some burnham hot stories that came in and they didn't necessarily last long and travis ended up moving over but anyway what i'm finding fascinating about it is how they manipulate a story, right? And they're like, he was the big dog because that's totally true. Marcus said it was totally a high person. Even if Travis was the top story in Trek, which he was, he was not a top person in Trek. He wasn't on that leadership uh, training network circuit like Mark would have been. So now these two can team up and build on each other's edification stories Uh around legitimizing Mark more than there should be any legitimization. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And he, the way DJ tells his story is that he uh, was an ACN. Did ACN get, I don't know if they got shut down, but maybe they had like a mass exodus at some point. They did. They um, had a big shutdown or a big mass exodus. And then they had a revival and then it became big again. So I think he left at that first one or something and I want to say he kind of left the industry for a bit because he's been doing other things like in like the real estate space and solar and like other so he's definitely like a salesman through and through but there is this MLM um, thread woven throughout like the whole thing Um, and suddenly he's a hotshot in WV and it's like he's hit director in a month. Director is 90, 90. So it's 180 people in your organization, which is no small feat. You know what I mean? Like um, he hit director in a month. And from the bottom of the pyramid, 
you hear stories like this and you're like, how is that person doing it that quickly? They don't tell you that they're, you know, bringing people over or they, he bought a spot in my upline. So now he's my upline and he, in a binary, you only need two legs. So one leg is already blown out. So all he has to do is build the other leg, um, other team for, I mean, I forget I'm using the jargon. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but I'm blown now. He bought a leg in your upline. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing you can do. So that's what Ray Higdon did was he sold his spot in WV and went to train the industry. So that's when he became a coach earlier. This was previous, but then DJ bought a spot in my upline, which is kind of what they'd mentioned. It was like, hush, hush. Like if you want more than one spot, get an LLC. Um, and then technically they're willable, sellable and transferable. And if you play your cards right and you actually have an organization and you know how to sell it to somebody else who's willing to pay you for that organization, then there's pa- paperwork that you can do to buy a spot. So when people would leave, oftentimes top leaders would buy their spot from them. So then they could turn around and sell it to like someone else later on. So if he sold it to a DJ who obviously joined the company after me, but now he's in my upline because he bought a spot in my upline. And now he's on these conference calls being like, look at this rock star leader who just hit 90, 90 in 30 days, but nobody's saying that he bought a spot. So one team's already built out and he's coming from the industry. So yeah, there's some people that followed him over. I directly, I started working with him. So what happened was he bought a spot in my upline. Um, they're still super on party plan. And Lorenzo is like such a like by the books. Like he was never got a job, never went to college, never did anything outside of this. So he's basically like really a product of the product. Like literally anytime you ask him for advice on how to build your business, it's just go show more people, just have another travel party. Just, you know, like it was just very basic, nothing behind it, you know? And so like, they were very party plan. And I'm like, okay, I live in the Bay area. Um, all these people are in Colorado where it's not easy enough to drive somewhere and have a party in the Bay area. You cannot just drive to San Francisco and have a travel party. That's going to be like a four hour commute coming from where I live. I'm like, I'm not like, it's just not feasible to just sit in traffic for that long to go show somebody at 20 minutes. <laughs> so I'm looking for other ways of doing this and DJs coming in doing the online thing. So, because now he's in my upline, now he's kind of motivated to work with me also he kind of takes me under his wing. And that this is where now I'm realizing this whole grooming by older white males thing really weirds me out. Um, not like it was any type of weird. I just, it wasn't like, I didn't never felt uncomfortable, but it's, it's just the theme of like putting like a older male white figure up on a pedestal and listening to everything that they tell you to do. You know what I mean? It didn't get like weird like that, but just that whole concept Um, And so I started doing this online thing with him. He's like, well, you can reach out to people online. You could do, you could do network marketing online. And that was kind of the revolutionary thing, you know, this, the pivot to social media. And that's how a lot of these companies like LuLaRoe or like whatever, like really took off when Facebook selling on Facebook was becoming popular and new and things like that. So he's like, you could do social media. Like you should check out this guy, Ray Higdon. He used to be in WV and you know 20 bucks a month gets you into ring makers and you can he goes live every day does a lot of training on social media and again it was new to me because they weren't teaching this in wv corporate trainings or in my team trainings they were teaching 
party plant, go into a living room, get on the TV and click through slides. That's what they're training. And I'm like, I can't, I'm not doing that. Like this is a different environment I'm in. And um, this, this also just, it, the tool thing. So for people listening, the tool scam that I referenced earlier is in order to build your business in network marketing, they tell you that you need training and you need tools and you need tools to run your business. And that's how they kind of legitimize that you're running a real business. And it could be flyers. It could be like uh, business cards. It could be desk rent. It could be, you know, whatever those things are, but they're selling you more tools so that you can run your business. And so this is a huge distinction from a job too. If you work a remote job, not only are they going to pay you for your time and give you benefits and give you all of your equipment and train you and pay you for training. This is the exact opposite of that. You're paying for all of your equipment. You're paying for your training. You're paying for your tools. And network marketing leaders all the way back to Amway have found out that sometimes they can make more money off of their downline by selling them tools rather than actually the income profits coming from commissions in the network marketing business. So alongside network marketing the whole time, there's always been the sale of these tools, whether they were those little post-its that Aaron was talking about or like the magazines with success stories. And all that to say that I think that this coaching space is another version of that tool scam. Same thing as online courses. I just think this is the digital version of the tool scam or the service-based version of that tool scam is where you're, someone is convincing you that you need their training or their tools or their coaching or their course to be successful at your network marketing company. And so in addition to all the money and time you're spending within that company itself, you're then also paying for outside tools. Um, and so then back in the hard copy days, again, those would be business cards, post-it notes, like you were saying, paying for a phone line or paying for desk rent or things like that, where now I, I see it's taking more of the form of they'll pitch you like a CRM to manage all of your contacts and your follow-ups. They'll pitch you AI tools to help you with scripts. They'll pitch you online courses. They'll teach you prospecting formulas, or they'll sell you one-on-one -on -one or group coaching. So what Rank Makers was, was a group coaching program for network, to, network marketers to help you rank. So I joined that paying 20 bucks a month. Again, it's always like a super low barrier to entry, so you don't really feel like it's you're not going super out of pocket right away for it. Um, and so Ray Higdon, who lost his top earner income after his company got bought by the WV, decided to leave the industry to coach it, essentially not tying himself to the success or failure or compensation plan of one company, but profiting off of all the people that have already bought into the fundamental lie that this is an income opportunity and profiting off of those people, understanding that that is a more consistent income than the network marketing company itself. And so that's where I feel like the tools have kind of evolved a bit, but like I kind of had a hybrid because I had a stack. They're called Vacation Sooner magazines with everybody's stories in them, the top earners and all of their stories. And Lorenzo's photo was in there, Travis Just's photo was in there. So same thing, you know, and you would, you wouldn't just buy one, you'd buy a bunch so that you could leave your prospects with them. 
um, when you give them a presentation. And so then they have another tool to reference. This is where you can, you're exerting information control over your prospect because you're giving them company materials to look at instead of saying, don't go Google it. Like, here's some information. Just look at this, right? But the company is now also making money off of me because I'm buying stacks of these magazines to hand out to every single person that I show. So even if they don't sign up, I'm handing out this product and buying more of it and handing it out. And so that's how it's kind of evolved because then I was buying those products. Um, WV actually did some very shady things I can't believe I fell for. They came out with a, a fly, it was called a fly card. It was a digital card, credit card that was supposed to have all your cards loaded on it. Like, I don't know why they thought to pivot from travel to having that. Somehow it was supposed to tie back into the whole ecosystem and points, help you earn travel. Um, but they created this technology, which was obsolete before it even came out because Apple Pay was already being like invented. You know what I mean? Like you don't need a digital credit card with all your cards on it anymore. You have like now, now you have your phone, your phone just does everything, you know? And so it was already obsolete, but they come out with this and then they like, have us buy beta versions of these cards. So paying like 150 for a beta version of this card to just go test it out, you know? And then they started coming out with these packs of $100 travel savings that we would, could give out to prospects, but we would have to buy these cards of travel savings. And then, you know, so it's, it's weird how companies will try to come up with extra stuff just to try to kind of like sell the customer base, you know? Um, well, and I'm, I'm curious if this is the stage where they're running out of money and trying to come yeah. up with more gimmicks to actually like yeah. to pull more money out of their downlines. Mm -hmm. They definitely were. Um, I, I don't know if I'll ever really know like the full picture of what was going on because people, you know, they just, I'm, I'm just piecing together what I can find out. Um, but there was some, rumor of like fraud in Asia, but then at the same time, like I know now, now I know that like since 2014, like, like they were operating illegally in Malaysia, Norway kicked them out, South Africa had a thing, Tonga had a thing, they were in like Rwanda or something, I don't know, there was a lot of countries where they were either operating illegally, didn't have the right licenses, or got called out as a pyramid scheme. So who really knows why they were bleeding money? I mean, they said that there was like fraud in Asia where somebody like tripped the system and was getting paid out commission. Like, I, I don't know. I, who knows, you know? Totally. But the, the, the fly card. Say, the, the, the idea that they're coming out with a fly card or um, just these different kind of seems a little off product. They're now trying mm -hmm. to come up with products. One of the slogans I remember in leadership that they would always teach us is it's, you know, it's a, it's a real normal branding or com uh, commercial concept in advertising that it's easier to sell to the people who are already oh, buying yeah, yeah. from you, right. Than trying mm -hmm. to go get a new prospect. It's so, easier to have so a, if a company's customer. Right. So if a company is trying to increase revenue to cover their ass for all the other things, it's easier to come up with a product that, quote, might enhance the growth of existing downlines Yeah, yeah. that creates because all of you are a much easier yes than a new person trying yes. to buy in. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, like the, that's where I feel like the tools have evolved um, to 
encompass a wide range of things. And, and that's where I got sucked into coaching. And so DJ was like, Hey, like join rank makers, you know, it's 20 bucks a month. And then they had a go IMD. It was like a not company event, like one of the team kind of events. And then you had to be at a, you had to be at a certain rank to go to this event. But like, I kept noticing that they kept dropping qualifications. Like they kept going lower and lower. And then like, one day DJ is like, do you want to go to GoMD? I'm like, I'm not qualified. He's like, well, I want you to go, you know? And so there's another situation of where they're picking somebody out that they think has potential, even if I'm not at the rank that they want me to be at, hey, I'll do you a solid and allow you to go to this with me. Um, and then these types of events are where they talk about the less compliant stuff, like the stuff they can't say from a corporate stage. And so, and it's great because I have screenshots, but like, of top leaders posting, hey, this is what I made every month. And it just says $50,000, $50,000, $50,000. And like, now I know the company was literally going under. I know leaders were not getting paid. I know people are leaving. They're suing people for leaving. But yet you're at a company event, putting your paycheck up on the screen. Being um, told you should go INDB or whatever. Yeah. And and that, listen, this this company is stable. My paycheck hasn't faltered in 10 years. I make $50,000 a month and I have for 10 years. And it's like, the company is like, this is like 2019. So like literally right before in the midst of a lot of financial issues, I definitely know reps weren't getting paid at that point and they were trying to keep people in. And that's why they had to keep dropping qualifications because less and less people are going to these events because people are leaving because they're not getting paid. But they stop paying people at the top ranks and they never let it hit the front line because if the front line knew that reps weren't getting paid, the whole system is just going to fall. So me being on the lower ranks and me not having a fatty residual check that was getting withheld, I didn't really realize the extent of all the things, you know? Um, the but fact that yeah. nobody's talking about it is blowing mm -hmm. my mind. Yeah. And then DJ is like, Hey, you should go to rank bakers live with me, which is raised. Um, annual event, which is like a month later. And I'm like, I can't go. I'm like, that's in a month. I can't go. But he's like, watch it virtually. So I watch it virtually. And this is how I start getting roped into Ray Higdon's online world. And at that time, he was very focused on social media, network marketing training. As of late, he's decided he's a prophet and is doing some weird shit. But like, he wasn't doing any of that then. It was like, just social media. And he was, he was just more of a like, straight shooter type of trainer and I, I like that I respond to that I think again it could be because of how I was brought up um but I, I respond to that um and I don't I don't like fluff I don't like sitting around while people are just like bullshitting me like if you're gonna teach me something like let's just get down, let's get just get to down it. to it yeah give me the bolt <laughs> nuts and bolts but he you he, you get sucked in and then he has it like a tiered kind of system too, you know, so I attended Rank Makers online, um, but then I started watching, he has a Ray Daily every single day where he goes live and you start tuning into that and then you start participating in all the challenges that he has. And then this is where you realize you're doing double the amount of work. I am being more efficient because I'm doing things online. I'm not driving four hours to and from to go sit in somebody's living room and show four people. I'm sending 200 messages online in that amount of time. So I'm feeling like I'm being more productive but what's really happening is just more of my time is being controlled in like meaningless activities like I was not really seeing a ton of results from any of that work that I did so I probably showed more people and talked to more people and prospected more people and 
but I, I didn't see any, like it was busy work. I didn't really see any results from that, but that's kind of how I got sucked into that world. Still believing that I just, I just have to work harder. I just need to show more people. I'm watching DJ who's been doing this forever and is like prospecting hundreds of people a day, he says, but he's paying a virtual assistant to do this. And, you know, I'm just like, how many people do you really have to show to be effective here? Like there has to be something else to it, right? Like if 200 a day is not enough, like how many people are you really supposed to show in a day? Like, geez, you know, um, but I, I had my blinders on and, and I was just in deeper and deeper and he was, he was in it. And then he's like, Oh, I, I paid for a raise inner circle coaching and it really helped my business. And he started recruiting more people into rank makers because that's where you bring your team to train them is how Ray pitches it, you know? So bring them to my training system. But now he is a coach for that. So he's worked himself up within that system. And then because he did it, I started paying for coaching. So there was a point so where DJ I DJ is a trainer within Ray's system. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So that's how it all kind of like trails on. Um, what happened with WV was all those lawsuits, all those things, I'm still piecing together that timeline. So I'm not going to go too deep on that. But essentially, they tell us that we're going to start introducing secret products. I think I may have mentioned this to you. So this is where they start to like transition things. This is where Mark is really smart because he branded himself as Marcus at a seminars, right? So now he's in a very good place after being the director of training for 15 years for WV. He's in a very good place to go take that elsewhere. And so it was very messy, the transition. They basically told us we could start selling secret products, which is um, a skincare company um, that is Dead Sea Skincare. And then they introduced nutrition. Um, so like protein and greens and, and like a recovery and a booster. And then um, they, they tell us we'll start to get commission for selling those products because we're starting to get into the pandemic now. Like this is like 2020-ish. And when you only have travel as a product and nobody's traveling, then they're like, hey, our company's going to go under, essentially. So they're trying to introduce other things that we can sell in an effort to, the way they told us is we want you guys to have the opportunity to make money selling other things when nobody's buying travel, right? In reality, deals had been going on in the background, different Different owners, different leaders, different C-suite executives are trying to push each other out, cut backdoor deals with secret, all sorts of shady things are happening. But then they just basically make a corporate announcement. So it sounds like there's going to be a merger. It's not like it sounds like on both ends, there's going to be a merger. And then they make this corporate announcement um, that WV's going bankrupt. Secret has already been, they've already uh, been like, telling us how to sign up as a rep with secret and basically giving the WV endorsement, like that this merger is happening. So if you want to come over with us, now you got to enroll as a secret representative, then you'll have a chance to sell secret products. They're going to introduce travel is how they explained it to us. So this is where secret introduced club secret um, to be a travel club because they basically said WV need something else besides travel, secret wants travel, we wanted to do a merger, I think we found out a way that we can merge these two companies, bring the reps over. Um, they were kind of trying to hide from Isaac, the CEO of secret, they're kind of trying to hide the 
the level of financial struggle that was going on so that he'd like still kind of go through with the deal. And so there's a little, there's a little bit of shadiness there. Um, so they brought us all over. We were still kind of paying for our WV membership because dream trips was still active and they were like, we're still honoring our travel obligations if you're still here. So very messy, but they were essentially saying, we're all going over here if you want to all stay together. And there's some people who didn't and some people who left, but they kind of presented a united picture. They're like, hey, we're all going to kind of go over here. As an um, entire company. Yeah, yeah. From the Marcusetta group forward. So right, speak. yeah, yeah. So like 2020, we had a, a few more, there were no in-person events, obviously, because of social distancing. They had a, instead of Go IMD, the one I went to in 2019, they had a, another version in Colorado in 2020, like a super small one. And um, I actually ended up going to that and they're teaching social media. They're just all gung ho. Like everything's fine. Everything's fine. And this is like October, right? This is a month before they say that the company is going under, but we're having this event. They're still talking about social media and um, selling online and travel. And it's funny because they came up with a name and I just found it the other day. I forgot about it called the fanaticals but f-u-n you know but I, now it's just so funny <laughs> that they called themselves the fanaticals, the fanaticals yes <laughs> but um you know with a little airplane and just social media travel subscription to fun we're selling a travel membership dj's on stage he's doing a lot of the trainings he's you know cranking it out and he actually had a falling out with one of the top leaders after because he's like I was working so hard for you and you didn't tell me the company was going to go under in like a month. So even again, this is a similar situation. He wasn't tippy top, but he was like middle top. And so like, even there, there's information control. He's working his butt off, creating PowerPoints, doing trainings, doing all these things. And they're not telling him that this company is failing. And then a month later, they invite all the top leaders out to Dallas or wherever. And they announce, Hey, we're merging with secret. And WV is going to be no longer. And if you want to come, you can come. And if not, no hard feelings or whatever. And then they made a corporate video announcement. And that's kind of how the rest of the company found out that WV was um, declaring chapter 11 bankruptcy. And then um, Marcus Seta came over. He then was announced as the um, director of training for Secret. Um, Eddie Head came over, got announced as the president for Secret. Justin Call was another C-suite person who came over. Um, I don't really have much to say about him. He was just like a figurehead kind of, from my perspective. Um, and then a lot of the top leadership, the same same teams essentially kind of came over. Now, Secret never ended up buying WV because the same people that were like trying to push the founder out, like there was a rift in corporate and WV. There's two teams, basically. The other team, they decided to reboot Dream Trips. So that's why there's like two factions of what happened. So there's WV, the downlines who all decided to stay together. And that was a corporate image. We're all going over to secret. But that secret deal fell through. And so Dream Trips never really went away. It got rebooted. And so now there's like two spinoffs of WV that are active and functioning. And now you have some of those old leaders going back to that one. And so now there's like, they, they're, they're just now it's great. I'm watching it in real time, like going down, but, um, Marcus said is, I don't think he's the director of training for, um, secret anymore. He may be doing some, um, occasional speeches or whatever. I'm not really sure, but now I see he's been 
doing trainings for multiple other companies. So now it looks like he's not committing himself to just one company, but is, is going to be like essentially like on retainer or whatever, doing like speaking gigs at multiple, because I've seen him do that, a view from the edge thing at like, so my daily choice is another company that a lot of those top leaders went to. So now he's, he's, he got announced as their director of training, but he's like, not the, he's not exclusive, I guess is, is what I'm saying. And so now so he's, he's the director of training, but he's just not exclusive to any of these companies. He just kind of, comes yeah, I, with I, his Marcus set of seminars. But yeah, because now I've seen him ever since everybody dissipated, they've all gone to different companies and I've seen him training for multiple companies. So I don't think he's committed to one. Um, Aaron and Dan and all those people they went to, it's called, it's funny. It's called the Alliance. Um, it's some insurance thing. You probably know these people. Wow. wow. <laughs> so it's like an insurance MLM and um, he did the, a view from the edge for them. And like this man is, held up as a masthead in this industry. And it's like two of your previous companies were shut down as pyramid schemes. And that's not the way they paint it also is that like the law is out to get us. Like that's how they always, I've seen him from the yes. stage. They always talk about being shut down in other countries. Like I would remember him talking about this and on from stage, they talk about being shut down in other countries. Like somebody's out to get them and they're like fighting back. And they tell it as like a success story of like, how the government took your whole team away and then you had to like rebuild it back up. But it's like, the reality is you, your companies keep getting found to be schemes. Like, and I, I honestly, I think it's illegal and coercive. And <laughs> you're just taking that same model and doing it again and again and again. And that's, what's duplicating is the minute. Yeah. Yeah. But they totally do paint it as if they're out to get us. And so as reps, we totally got behind the DSA and got behind all those types oh, of yeah. things, thinking that we should write to the FTC because they're going to take away our business opportunity. Where if we would have just gone and Googled what was actually going down, we would have really seen. Yeah. So he's in my mind still. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, like the fact that it's just, he's put on a pedestal and like people are like, like Aaron, she'll, she'll, Again, I think she's a lifer, you know, um, but like, she'll be like, oh, I'm not even really building the business, but I want to go see Mark at this event. And it's like that level of grasp that somebody has over you for you to go pay a hundred dollars for you to bring or a couple hundred dollars for you to bring your husband who doesn't believe in any of this. And he'll go and pay a couple hundred dollars and you'll go see this man go train for yet another company. And you think that you're getting something from this, you know, and it just continues on and he'll have an endless supply of people and so will Ray or whoever because once these people are bought in to this working and they're desperate enough to make it work they'll do anything like and they're not thinking for themselves they're not thinking correctly like I would never in a million years pay for what I paid for but like I did it because I wasn't thinking correctly wasn't thinking for myself or thinking critically about what was actually going on. Um, and so that, I mean, this is the stuff, this is why I want to talk about this because it's also, also tactical. It's also construed and you're taught to think it's just timing and God's will and synchronicity and right place and right time and signs and whatever, but this has all been intentionally implanted so that these people can just continue to do the same thing and, That's and right. just keep going.
and it's a formula that can get re-implemented and rebranded, but it's the same exact tactics in a new form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And not even a new form, you know, it's just called something else. It's not even yeah. new form. It's actually the same exact form. It's just called, you know, what, what one training is called now, now the program is momentum united a view from the yeah. edge boot camp you know as yeah. opposed to the four other types of things that are geared towards yeah. locking you in mm-hmm. yeah and so that's kind of where like you know that story it hasn't ended because it's still kind of playing out you know in front of us but um i i was just left with a lot of unresolved so many questions and a lot of like unresolved anger because nobody was addressing like what went down with that company long story short they were selling travel deals they weren't paying the vendors on the back end who were providing the actual travel services um so a lot of small companies allegedly i've heard have gone out of business because they literally lost money and they couldn't stay afloat because wv didn't keep up their end of the agreement um they weren't, they stopped paying reps. They stopped paying top reps first because the IMDs decided to forego their, their paychecks for a couple of months. So oh that, you know how they always say that when companies yeah. are getting shut down as yeah. if these top leaders are, are, are bringing out all their humility on behalf of oh, yeah. all the low ranking sales. They're people. selfless. Yeah. They're selfless and they're doing it for, so the company can stay afloat. That's what they say. The real reason again is so that the front line does not figure out what's going on, because if they did, that is new blood is the lifeblood, right? Like if they the found out, blood. they. And what the else are those top over. leaders supposed to do? If you do let them know, that's your asset. Your real asset is that your front line has no idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're willing yeah. to work so hard, so they're not going to. Yep. What do they call that? Peeing downstream. They say mm. the good news goes down line and the bad news oh, goes up yep. line. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Never complain down the line. So All this is where they get the buy-in the from the leaders, because if you're going to yeah. be a dissenting leader and actually tell people what's going on, you're pissing in your own downline. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it goes back to the group dynamics that are at play. You would think that if this stuff is happening, somebody would speak out. And so mm-hmm. it's a part of the unspoken betrayal that is so hard for us to heal from mm-hmm. these group dynamic situations because we don't get we don't get violated the one on one. Marcus said it can be a master manipulator, but we're not getting the direct violation from him. We're getting a system that he puts into play that other people play out, that other people play out, and then we're the recipients of a dynamic that is fragmenting our brain, right? Mm-hmm. And the the group ethos is actually, as you said far more abusive because it allows this stuff to go on, which only makes you feel like you're more crazy. I could only imagine you're the only one like, hello, these people are going bankrupt. And right now the, they're, they're presenting the secret plan. The fact that they made you have to buy into secret, just like we had to buy into symmetry, but you're still having to pay your old thing. So here they're somehow convincing you to pay both what chaos, right? They're yeah. of course they're managing the information because they're trying to get as much from the the lack of information that people have and make these transitions without critical thought. And moving us over to secret, I mean, it was 
this is where I learned that it's really all about your position in the tree and um, it's all arbitrary. And people at the top have the ability to move other people around because like, this is where I, in WV, I worked my butt off, worked my butt off. And I was on the inside leg of an inside leg and, and never really ranked up to anywhere. And then I get moved over to secret and suddenly I, I, I stopped buying my 100 PV monthly to stay active and to hold my volume. And then I get a text from Lorenzo saying, hey, you may want to check your back office and get active again because you might like what you see. And I log in and there's a team underneath me doing like $30,000 of volume. And I'm like, oh, you just gave this to me to, to motivate me to build my other leg. And it's like, it didn't. It felt really weird. It was weird seeing those numbers in my back office after doing nothing when I'd worked my butt off for so long. And I didn't, <laughs> like, I didn't see any of that. Um, a month later, he's off and on to Modair. So a lot of people did make the move to secret, but like a lot stay. of them didn't stay. They didn't make the transition. Yeah. This is such a good point. And the other aspect to the to the stacking thing that happened, obviously you got stacked, right? Um, because you, you they want to motivate you to make that transition and all the things. Um, I remember when that happened to me and I learned that I should start stacking my team or that I could, that I could even make that choice to support some of my leaders that you know, really struggled in the system, but with a little mm -hmm. bit of support and a little bit of encouragement to get them over hump could absolutely contribute to their own growth. But the fact that leaders are doing those strategies and you're not taught those things, and mm -hmm. then it's supposed to be given to you like it's a cookie to mm -hmm. get the new motive. I could totally see how that would just kind of like demotivate you versus. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, I'm not about that, you know? And then again, okay, he was gone. Like that was his that was like his last, last ditch effort to make it work here. And then, and then they went on um, to Modair, you know, and claiming the same, like they always have a, the stories when, when people jump from company to company are just so entertaining to me, but it was like, well, yeah, you know, Taylor has babies, his wife, um, and we can't do party plans every night. So we want to do online. And it's like, you could literally do online in any company. Like that's not really a reason to switch, but like, that's the reason that they said they went to Modair is because Modair has systems for like online training or like whatever. Um, and then, you know, aside from that, there was, so Wayne Nugent was a C, the CVO chief visionary founder, chief, chief visionary founder or chief visionary officer. Me. I know. Visionary oh God. Ugh. And he was the founder of the company. And He's just like, everyone loved him from stage. I just had a very endearing personality. And now the apologists will be like, oh, he just, he's a great visionary, but he's not a bit good businessman. And that's why the company went under. And I'm like, just listen to that sentence that you just said. What, what even does that mean? What you just said to me that he's a good visionary, but a bad businessman. Like, first of all, like what makes a good visionary? Like everybody has a fucking imagination. Like what makes you a chief visionary? Right. And then second, he's a bad businessman. Like none of you are businessmen. If you are in a pyramid scheme, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's how they're, um, they're using him as the scapegoat as to why that company went under. They're like, oh, he had a great idea, but his heart was in the right place and all these things. Well, he cut a deal with Secret to make like 
over a million dollars before allegedly over a million dollars before any of those reps got their back pay before any of before he got pushed out of WV and they rebooted it he cut his deals to make himself his money before mm-hmm. he left after he was dead and people still look up to him and put him on a pedestal and it like it makes my blood boil because he's the one that that thing that I just posted recently on my Instagram was a WV reunion that they just had they actually had the balls to he, okay, he's been radio silent since this whole secret thing happened. I don't know if it's legally he's obligated to not say anything or like whatever, but like when they told us we were merging over to the secret, they were saying Wayne was going to be the top rep and we were all going to be below him essentially. Radio silent. I haven't, we haven't heard him, anything. I haven't seen anything on social media. He hasn't been building anything, hasn't nothing. Suddenly they're having a WV reunion in his backyard that he's charging tickets for. And I'm like, and that's what I reacted to was them on stage talking about, we had a good run and some of you made money and some of you didn't, but thanks for playing in my dream. And I'm like, and people are just standing there clapping and cheering. And they're like, if they have one of these reunions every year, WV would be the best. That would be so great. That's the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's like, this is brainwashing. Like this, this is the problem because these people are just going to continue to get taken advantage of. <laughs> Thanks for playing in my dream. I mean, the audacity. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, this white male audacity. I keep coming back to that. Thank you for that that sentence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So, yeah, they just had that. And I'm like, there has to be motives here. Like, there has to be some cross-recruiting. There has to be something going on. They're all in different company. Like, it made no sense. I'm so curious about, like, what the motives are. Again, I will never really know. I can't believe they're actually getting back together. And, and like they said, oh, if you do this every year, I'll come. A lot of people are in the comments like, I didn't know this was happening. I would be at a WV reunion if you had one. And so it's sad because a lot of these people are in secret. A lot of these people are going back to dream trips. A lot of these people are in other companies. But this is like, this is the part of like, yes, I think network marketing companies are cults. They're a little bit different because they're a company and it's not centered necessarily around one person. The founder is generally a charismatic leader for sure. But I think every top leader is kind of, depending on the organization that they build, I'm not saying every single top leader is a cult leader, but I think these small groups form around the leaders or the figureheads more so than they do the company themselves. And so even though like WV, like people, and I'll still say those trips were the best and that was awesome and like whatever, but it's Wayne they put on a pedestal. It's the top leader they put on a pedestal. So they'll go wherever that top leader goes. And so Mm -hmm. they will continue to get taken advantage of. And that's the cultic aspect of it is like blindly following that charismatic figurehead, whoever that is, that may not be the leader of the company. It could be the leader of the team or whatever, but that's why you see these teams go with a leader. I'm like, why would you just blindly always transition with leader? You know, that that question came up to me when we made that transition to secret. And I kind of just went because I wasn't ready to go anywhere else. I wasn't like, I need another company. So I'll just stay with what I know. But like, it made me question like, what what would make me follow a leader, right? Like when Lorenzo up and moved to Modair, a bunch of people up and moved to Modair with him, you know? And it's it's that it, that's where the cultic aspect comes in. It's that, that, um, group around that leader that has these dynamics. It's interesting you say that because 
I concur. Absolutely. I also was just as discombobulated by it by when it started happening. I didn't understand, even though it had happened all around me from the trek to symmetry and people going from symmetry to other places. Um, I didn't understand it. A part of my brain didn't register why somebody would just follow a leader to another company. And so there is that cultic aspect. And I, I really think that's so much of what the leaders are prescribing to do to create that loyalty. So like Marcus Seta is doing that in his training system, regardless where he has people that are loyal to him now. They're mm -hmm. no longer loyal to the companies, whatever company they end up at, they'll be loyal to that relationship. So there is those individual leaders and then in the downlines, because absolutely there were sidelines to me that became leaders that people were following. I never saw myself as that, but people had to wake me up to be like, no, that, that is what happens. People would yeah. follow you somewhere. Um, and it wasn't like you were intentionally doing that. Like it, it just kind of happened in that environment. It does happen, but it also happens because of what we talked about earlier, the way the system is talking about you. So even though I'm so bought into the system, people are brand new starting to be like me. Mm -hmm. So they're running after meeting me. I don't see myself that way, but a brand new person. And I found it, I find it interesting because some of the people that have listened to my MLM story so far, Kalika, um, are people that were in other people's sales teams. So their mm. indoctrination against me oh, yeah, when yeah. I left is probably quite unconscious to them mm -hmm. because it's what kept them in. Yeah. Somebody else's descent story is how their leader comes in and swoops mm -hmm. in to make this other yeah. person stay. And Aaron could be an example of that. What got her to stay when Travis and Joe and them, you know, switched to World Ventures is watching people like me hit high levels and then a story gets told about them. And so when a transition like that happens, the top leaders use other people's, you know, ego story, as it's called, to get you to not look at like what just happened to so and so. Because mm -hmm. how many new people started because of my success story or mm -hmm. your success story, right? So it's so interesting to hear you talk about like, why would you just go up and like, mm -hmm. are you going to look at the opportunity? Aren't you, are you going to ask some questions yourself? Like the blind loyalty, but it's kind of like, that's what makes it super predator-like is it's mm -hmm. cult within cults. Mm -hmm. And so you can be within a company that's doing large indoctrination because they've hired a seasoned MLM master deceiver named Marcus Seta, who's creating a dynamic training system that he's perfected from the history of abusive tactics in network marketing. He's repackaged it and every MLM company knows they need certain components, right? They need the product doctor story. They need that visionary CEO guy that people believe in. They need, you know, the product expert doctor guy. So there's certain roles or characters. So even when you talked about the WV to secret merger, you're talking about this one C-suite guy comes over and this C-suite guys, and you can just imagine all these heavy hitters in the MLM industry 
that are all flatulating each other to make these deals to be able to end up in the next company. Like what got Lorenzo over to Modere? What got, it's all what they're paid to do, right? Mm-hmm. What, 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 what spot do they get? Mm-hmm. And your brand new person here is this person just ranked up in 90 days. They didn't hear that they got to buy a position because Marcus said cut a deal with, with Travis Justin, blah, 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 to be able yeah, to exactly. take that position. And, and then disgusting. it's pitched as this level playing field when it's everything but that. Everything, everything other than that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like what, it's not what you know, but who you know on steroids, because <laughs> you don't know the history mm-hmm. of the coercive dynamics of all of these people that claim to be legendary network marketers. They actually have all come from companies that have been shut down at one point. Yeah. And it's, it, it's the understanding that like, just because the FTC hasn't shut it down yet does not mean that all of these companies aren't problematic. They just can't go fast enough because to do anything legally, they need to have obviously everything documented properly. Also, there's people lobbying people in positions of government to keep them from really looking into deeply into some of these companies. And as soon as one shuts down, it spawns five more. Like th- right. that's the thing. Like they just dissipate and go elsewhere. It's like, how can you even keep up? But they right. all have the same characteristics because they're all modeled after the same Amway model, which is essentially a scam. It's a scheme. It's a long con to just take money from from the people that it recruits. And they all follow that model. They all do. And so it's just because it hasn't been persecuted for that publicly doesn't mean that anything has changed. So if you were in a pyramid scheme, if you were in multiple previous pyramid schemes and you're training and doing the exact same thing that you were doing then, that you're doing now. What makes it better? Right. Right. There's nothing that doesn't improve. You're not getting better. It's not getting more ethical, you know, 10 years later. Yeah, just because you jumped to a new company when your last one shut down doesn't legitimize what you're doing or what you did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm so disgusted. I'm just like, wow. So this transition happens. You do end up in secret. Mm-hmm. I end up in secret and what is again, Ray like I was, saying during all this during the during the rake makers section? Um, he, you know, it's just it's a lot of like social media strategies. Um, and you'd be surprised how, um, conniving that they are. It's a lot of social media strategies of how to get people into your opportunity. Um, the thing that rank maker showed me, cause it's all different people from all different companies. And when I was in, I loved that. And, and so did Julie. I, I talked to her about this. She's like, I love that because it wasn't like we were trying to poach each other or anything, which in, in this in the behind the scenes yes everybody is poaching for modair apparently all of his top people are are in modair um but you think was presented as like we don't poach each other all companies are welcome and what you can use here will be applicable to every company now i thought that was really cool when i was in that was actually one of the things that helped me get out because I saw Jen Ryla and Julie's interview and when i started jen seeing jen's content Cause I was like kind of detached for a minute. So like I was in secret, I wasn't excited about building skincare. I was sad travel was under COVID. It was happening. Everything was whatever. At the same time I had moved to Colorado. I moved to Colorado at the beginning of my, uh, the beginning of the pandemic. So I got laid off looking for new work. Like all the, all these changes are happening. So I'm not really super focused, but 
I'm still trying. Like, that's the thing. I'm trying, but I'm not like super focused. I'm still doing the activities. I'm still watching like the Ray Dailies. And, and so this is where I'm learning all the calculating social media stuff. Um, one thing I want to say is, I think it was probably Eric Worre and Ray Higdon or whoever, but they were like, this is the best time to sell travel, okay, mid-pandemic. This is how they, this is what trainers will tell you. If your product is travel and they'll find some way to spin it to get you to keep pitching it. So this is the best time to sell travel. Why? Because it's at its cheapest right now. People are going to want to revenge travel once travel comes back. So this is what people are saying about travel as a whole. And then the other thing is, well, you should be pitching the income opportunity, right? And so the income opportunity doesn't really, it doesn't matter what your product is, which is a huge red flag when you see it from the other side. Because when I saw it, when I saw Jen Rylis speaking out, I was like, she wasn't in my company. So, you know, but I know her as she, she's speaking out against Arbon. She's speaking out against Ray Higdon. She was a Ray Higdon coach and she's speaking out against Ray Higdon and Arbon and the whole MLM industry because it, the whole idea of Rainmakers that all companies are there, it eliminates the argument that my company's special and it does it different. Like nobody can say that because they're all the, they're literally all the same. So like when I saw her speaking out, not only against her company, but against coaching and against the whole industry. And I'm like, it was like, I'm like, okay. And I, I knew I respected her and I knew she wasn't just being a hater. And I knew I had cognitive dissonance already. So I could have been open to watching her content. I had to be open to watching it. Um, but before, before I jump ahead to that part, the, the tactics they were teaching in, in Rankmakers, you're essentially pitching an income opportunity. So a basic cold marketing script would be like, hey, I see you live in Tucson. I'm expanding my business in Tucson. Would you be open to taking a look at what I do? If not, no big deal. You could send that message to anybody. You just have to look up where they work. Or you could do it by occupation. Hey, I see you're a real estate agent. I'm working with more real estate agents in Tucson. Would you be open to seeing what I do and make some extra money on the side? You know, those kind of things. Those are the things that you're being taught. As the pandemic came out, it was very predatory. It was a script that was like, considering everything that's going on in the world today, I'm focused and productive in my home-based business. Would you be open to taking a look at what I do to make money online? Or have you found a, a way to make money online from home yet? And it was like, you're using this vague with everything that's going on in the world because the FTC is cracking down. People on online, they're cracking down on the use of COVID and like whatever vaccines in marketing because people are, you're seeing a lot of like shitty marketing come out. So people are avoiding saying the actual word COVID or like whatever pandemic or whatever. So because of everything that's going on, that was what he had said. Well, this was at the same time as Black Lives Matter. So it didn't, it didn't sit well, let's just say, because with everything that's going on, it's like, well, what are you referencing? There's a billion things that are going on right now. And, you know, and so what it didn't exactly really do you mean, well. Ray? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, um, again, very ineffective. It didn't really work. Um, and then um, I, you know, kind of started to take a step back. I think I stopped during that time earlier. I had started paying for coaching, like inner circle coaching, which is like, the couple hundred dollars thing for a 30 minute call with a coach. That was what Jen Ryla was doing. And this is where I found out I was paying hundreds in, in her interview I, that she was paying, she was getting paid like 22 a session or something. Yeah, and she's I was getting paying, paid $20 an hour, but you're getting, you're char being paid. You're paying yeah. hundreds of dollars. Yeah. yeah. And I heard that I was blown yeah. away. That's, that's the big, that was the biggest like 
chunk of like that like broke a huge hole in the whole facade for me when I heard her say that because I at least thought that my trainer or my coach was getting the chunk of the money that I was paying but they weren't um and so I kind of stopped doing coaching I just couldn't afford it like I had moved in the pandemic and I'd gotten laid off I'm like I can't I, I tried it for a bit because I was like go harder now this is the time to build my business but I, I couldn't afford to pay that much for coaching and so I kind of stepped back from that, stopped watching Ray dailies every single day because I stopped building and then it, it became too much, you know, it was like too much to consume because I wasn't building. Um, and then um, they tried to bring travel into secret and then they lied about it, the price of a trip. And that sat really bad with me. They lied from stage about like the price of a trip. They're like, travel's coming back and we're going to rent out the Atlantis or we're going to get rooms at the Atlantis in the Bahamas. And they don't do all inclusive, but they're going to do all inclusive for us because we're the best travel club in the world. And then like a week later, they announced this from stage. It's on a slide and everything. And then a week later, they're like, oh, sorry, the price is like higher. And then they were like, you know how we said it was all inclusive? It's not. You get a $600 hotel credit. And I'm like, even though that's like the stupidest thing to get mad about, it was another like chink you know you know a little crack because in dream trips they never lied about prices like they would just be like this is the trip you go on it it's awesome and they were awesome you did they didn't have to lie about it where here they were like I'm like why are you lying like why are you you know it just it just didn't sit right with me and so I like didn't start going back to events when they opened back up kind of stepped away and then like that's last year was when my my dad was really sick and he was passing um and so in August of last year. So about a year ago is when I saw that interview with Julie and Jen and like started discovering anti-MLM content because I was sitting at home with my dad and it was his last few weeks and it's a very trying time. It's like a living vigil kind of, you know, you're kind of there, but you're not really talking to them. You know, you're just kind of there for emotional support. And it was just me and my brother and my dad's old house. And I had just definitely taken some time off work to be there, but it was really hard, you know, just sitting in that house, you have like caretakers, all these things going on. I needed a rabbit hole to go down. So I love true crime. And so I'm like watching true crime and then suddenly anti-MLM pops up and then Jet, Jen Ryla popped up. And then that's how I went down the end. So, and I needed something to distract me. Like I was just, it was miserable. So hours and hours, I just started reading and watching videos and reading. And then like that, and then, you know, I started reading like John Taylor's study and then I read Ponzinomics and then I read comment, you know, I started like really just consuming all of this information. And when I had consumed enough of it was when I was like, I need to actually like resign, you know, because I was like still in, but like I hadn't actually like quit. Like, and I'm like, I need to like quit. Like I need to cut ties, sever ties, just resign from everything. And so that's when I kind of called in and canceled technically all three, because there was another company that kind of recruited me afterwards, which we won't even get into right now, but there was, I had to call in and like cancel it all. And then I spent months, just months consuming content and like coming to terms with like what I'd been a part of, you know, yes. it's been, it's been a lot of this and it was starting to get a lot of like very jumbled in my head. And I'm, that's when I, I had to like reach out, I had reached out to Julie and I'm like, can I, can you just listen to me talk for like a second? Cause I just need to like, she's like, absolutely. Like, let's go, you know? And so that helped me kind of start to like, okay, kind of get some cohesiveness. That's when I kind of figured out I wanted to like share content about this and that's what brought me here. <laughs>
Wow, 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 wow. Um the 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 little things that were the chinks that were like getting you that final out and then you making that decision like yeah i gotta just i gotta get out i gotta and i remember listeners for those you that are interested the jennifer she's talking about as well as the julie i interviewed both of them on this podcast and you can find it on the platform both stories were so fascinating to me because I didn't know how the thing transitioned. That was the first time I had ever heard about rank makers and the coaching model and how uh-huh. all these, the, what you called so well, the, the, the tool scam, how it's been transferred. What, what, what tools in the Amway days might've been cassette tapes and books, but they wouldn't have been books that were published. They would have been books that the leaders of the company published so that they only had the information they wanted their downline reps to buy. Um, but then, you know, in my days or in the, you know, even in the 90s um, or, you know, in the Mark Merchants of Deception book, the way he, he describes it, it could have been, you know, desk rent, right? It could have been hard copy flyers or post-it notes. 800 numbers were also big Mm -hmm. tools that were used because if you had a team of 100,000 people and every one of them ends up on an 800 number so that you can leave one message for your entire downline, that would be something that you could roll out to the field and suddenly the company gets a percentage, these download, these upline leaders get a percentage. But as a new person, you're just following the orders. Get this 800 group so that you never miss an important call from this leader or this leader or this leader or this leader. So you sign up for the free 30 days and then it's X amount a month. That's also a tool. But you uh-huh. brought it home for us to say these same tools in today's day and age are CRM. That's contact. That's uh, like contact management systems so that you can put your customers or your prospects into like a flow chart and there's different sites. Now, there are a bazillion things you could go out there, even free systems, but I hear you talk about how they are pitching it to their teams, these groups. And if you've only heard about business principles from who you get pitched by, you wouldn't know that CRM is a thing in the world that you could actually mm-hmm. go research and get for free through HubSpot or other types of online marketing systems, AI tools, again, free online courses, plenty of YouTube that could teach you all the things, but we buy these courses because you're within a closed system where they're controlling your thinking and you think this person has the answer and you have no idea that 40 different people edified that person. And so half the reasons why you think that person is important is because somewhere along the line, somebody that mattered told you that person was important. So I hear you talking about that with the DJ how he was like a transition to help you start learning online at a critical moment, but he was a plant into your team. So he was the 90 day story that beat out that. How can you not listen to that? You end up repeating uh-huh. that story. Cause how could you not? He now uh-huh. becomes a mentor to you. He's suggesting rank makers and him and Ray probably got a thing going on. He's probably getting a percentage of every person. Now, he, now Ray doesn't let that percentage be known. He's going to have certain percentages with top leaders that are, are funneling in people that move through ranks within these systems. Yep. It's so crazy making 
I can see why you just called Jennifer and was like, can I just speak out loud? Because if yeah. you're going to talk about half this stuff, you keep it in and that's not good because you can't really make sense of stuff. Yeah. If you don't get to talk it out loud to somebody that also understands and can actually reflect back to you. Yeah. The 800, I didn't even think about the 800 numbers there. There's probably so many different versions of things like that pre-internet, you know, and even like leads, leads, I'm pretty sure is a very mm-hmm. common thing that people sell to their teams or, or their, I'm pretty sure that insurance company you're incentivized to buy lead. Like that's what the company is selling on a recurring mm-hmm. basis is, is, is leads. Um, yeah, that's another version of the, the tool scam. It really is. And it's, it's really important. And I talked about this, you know, but you really brought it way more po- uh, poignant in that the cult leader of the actual training system you're in. So there's going to be upline leaders that have training systems. Now, in the case of the Marcusetta training system, that's coming from the company wide, but notice how he branded it with his name, right? Uh Because that was, as you pointed out, his strategy to be able to take this elsewhere. He had enough history in the industry to know that companies fold, to know that if he's going to bring his training model, he's going to brand it after himself because a percentage of all those people over those 15 years, regardless that WV goes down, are going to follow Mark forever, Uh regardless of what company they end up in. So he's creating loyalty. And that's really the name of the game in this industry, the loyalty of these upline leaders. So it totally is cults stacked in cults. And the leadership has a higher um, or a stronger stronghold over their downline than the company itself. But there's always the dissenters like you and I that are going to look more to the company directly than that yeah. line leadership because there's something in their personality or their way of being that's just like, that doesn't really add up. And it's interesting how then your story at different stages, how Mark swoops in and he becomes the credibility when you didn't have an upline leader who was giving you that credibility to keep going forward. And then Uh later on, DJ Barton ends up coming in and he ends up being a credibility that you didn't have with Lorenzo because Uh Lorenzo was the buy the book, do it one way guy. And you were looking for something, you know, and this is to me a moral of a takeaway of this whole conversation. And anybody who ends up listening to my saga is we're saying the same formula. Like it's, it's to the T and Julie's content talks about that too. Like there is nothing new here, but you think it's so personal because there are Uh so many moments. And even in the training systems, I know you'll relate. They talk about what are those pivotal moments? You don't tell, they actually teach you. You don't tell the whole story because storytelling can't be boring. You have to tell the pivotal moments so that it can be as relatable to other people Uh as possible. So you don't realize that leaving out information is actually a coercive tactic because you think you're doing it to be able to help most people relate. Uh-huh. But really the whole time you're, you've been strung along to now follow another tactical leadership approach, whether it was Marcus Etta, then DJ Barton, then Ray Higdon. Yeah. You don't even know where it comes from. They're all the same versions of the same thing. And uh-huh. exactly. You think you're being compelling. You think you're becoming a better storyteller and a, a rooted in a grain of truth, right? I did become a better storyteller. I did become a better speaker, but 
that doesn't change the fact that withholding information is a form of information control and it's being used very heavily like withhold you could easily you know lie by omission and it's just a small white lie in the in the normal world and it doesn't have like this huge impact on anything but in this system where withholding information is so um built into the the structure at every step of the way then you realize that the whole, pretty much all of reality is being hidden from you and you're only seeing the narrative that they want you to see or they you know they want you to share like the pivotal story like the before and after before world ventures after world ventures thank you world ventures like that's like the formula for like your testimonial or whatever you know and they want totally. they, that rags to riches before and after before my life sucked after I joined, now my life's amazing. Thank you so much. Like, and they, they want you, but you're leaving out all the rest of the story. you know. <laughs> and you, you actually think some part of your brain thinks that it's for the best of the best interest of helping that other person get in. Goes back to what you said, the so sociological experiment. Like, yeah. whoa, real yeah. time. And as these leaders are scrambling to figure out where to go, then again, they come up with like that story you talked about Lorenzo and his wife coming up with. Yeah, but that just doesn't add up. You know, when you start to really understand, like, there are so many more decisions and behind the scenes meetings that are taking place that you don't have access to depending on what level of leader. So DJ Barton could have been a director level, but he's not in that IDM whatever meeting be, so he's getting also limited piece of information uh -huh. so he can keep in productivity that it's rooted in a grain of truth. Oh, that was so well said. <laughs> My God. Oof. I don't know what yeah. else you got, but this was just. No, so I mean, that's pretty here. much. That's pretty much most of it. I mean, there's so many things that just naturally come up, but it was it was good to relate everything right back to what, where your story ended, because I feel like they're so cohesive as far as like, if you're following the pattern of where a certain line of training or a certain thought process or certain ideology came from, like, it's fairly easy to follow that train. And as far as Mark is concerned, I've, I'm inclined, I don't know, because obviously they don't, they delete their entire histories from anywhere online. You can't find any information about past companies that top leaders are in. Like they very strategically eliminate that information, but- They must pay I'm, for that. They pay to wash yeah. the internet and to push it way down in the ranks. Push it like super far, Symmetry, yeah. Rudy Revac has done that. I absolutely know. I When digging into his story, found out that the story he would always tell about the company Best Line, which was the soap company he originally sold, he had this rag to riches story. When I dug in and found out that company had actually gotten shut down and he didn't get paid. And, you know, they didn't tell that part of the story to where he ended up working with something else. And so you do go back and you track, you say, yeah, you know, I got hooked on that story. And you realize that story wasn't complete because uh -huh. they do wash it from the internet uh -huh. and you can't go searching and find out where these, you would have to yeah. know the name of the company. Like if I told you, look up Trek Alliance, yeah. then you could link it because he would be written in the FTC yeah. paperwork. But if you didn't have that name, you wouldn't have been able to right. find it. And I, I personally, I mean, I, there's no way to verify this. This is just my opinion, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that Equinox and Trek, I, I think were probably his last two companies because this is just what I think, because if he was already a top, leader in both of them then he didn't start there 
So he must have had other companies before that. I don't think they happened between 2003, 2002, and 2006. It's too small of a time frame because I also think before he was officially the director of training, he was like unofficially the director of training for WV, if that makes sense. And if they started in 2005 and the other company got shut down in 2002, there's really only a small gap there. So I'm more inclined to believe that his his other two companies were before the two that you knew him in, if he was already a big leader by that point. And then he- And he was not had, a young buck. He was not yeah. a young buck then. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. I think the logic yeah. makes and, so much sense. And he's said, I mean, in his story that he was again, like a, like a college dropout type of that's when he found network marketing. So if he's been in the industry for that long, I'm inclined to believe that those two companies were his last two companies before WB. And then he kind of was behind the scenes, masterminding this new thing and came here. So that's, that's kind of the conclusion that I'm personally drawing. Again, I don't know for sure, but if that's the case, I mean, that's so ballsy. It's extra sick, isn't it? It's extra sick because the last two companies have the track record. You're taking the exact same training formula and creating a market set of training system for an entire company called WV. And then that grows for the next, you know, 10 something 15, years. Yeah, 15, 15 20 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. um, also I'm remembering that his name, you know, he was married. It was Mark and Kelly Aceta, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, Kelly Aceta. So- was the one that like we did that journey journey was that Maui training. And so she was there also. And so that's when they did like that relationship thing, but they, they split up, they broke up. I know, but I want to just, I was disgusted because even back in Trek, there was talk about them breaking up. So the fact that that way back, yeah, I know it only adds to the disgust because those, those couple formulas that they paint on the, on the, on the stage so well, and then they have them do the relationship coaching or they'll do the women's groups and the, you know, like the whole thing, it reeked bad then, yeah. but now knowing what it is, it actually is and how much those couples are not actually in good communication or yeah. connection. And they're posturing themselves as if they have this amazing free time and this amazing relationship and amazing households. But as you hit these ranks and you're in these little groups with them, you realize there's just very horrible relationship dynamics that are taking place. But again, it's not for the leaders. It's for that new person because they're painting a picture of what most of us want, right? We want free time. We want a relationship. We want love. We want all these things and nothing more than having leaders that you get to strive to be that are working together and building their dream mm-hmm. life, which is why these companies sell it. These magazines are filled with couples selling the yep. dream of a good relationship and free time. Yep. Yeah. So the fact that it's the same wife, they've got a lot of marriage counseling. I think every one of their companies, they were probably doing some marriage counseling. And it's funny too, because when I was new, I had like the the audacity to ask questions that I wouldn't have asked later on in my indoctrination. And I remember in that journey training, I was like, it was like high tide or whatever. And we were supposed to do like a sunset cruise. Like, you know, they try to tie fun things in so that you get fun things in with your training. Right. So like there were different excursions you could have signed up for. And like one of them was like a sunset cruise and it was like two nights or it was one night or maybe 
I don't know. I don't know. But there was two different options. I signed up for one and then like it was high tide or something in Maui and it gets pretty dangerous depending on the, where the tide is. So they cancel all the water activities. So our cruise got canceled or whatever. And then they were like, oh, we're just going to, um, you'll just do it the second night, you know, instead of the first night. So I was like, okay, like in my head, I'm like, okay, so it's canceled tonight. So is it going to be at the same time tomorrow night? Like, are they both going to go at the same time tomorrow? And I remember I went up to Kelly and I was like, oh, is it the same time? You know, is it going to be at 6 p.m. tomorrow too? And it's like, no, you, your, your guys has got rescheduled for earlier. It's going to be at like 12, you know? I'm like, well, why, why is it going to be like earlier? Like we wanted to do like a sunset cruise. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, you know, and it, it seems shitty to reschedule it to a worse time, you know? So I was like, well, why wouldn't they both be going out at like sunset, you know? Well, then we can't both be on that was the answer. And I'm like, and it like, it didn't make sense to me really at the time. And I, I felt like it was like, why are you asking that question? Like, obviously, like we, we should be, we need to be on both boats. But for me, in my head, I'm like, I signed up for a sunset cruise. I didn't sign up to hang out with Kelly Aceta. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I want a sunset cruise. <laughs> because we can't be on both of them. Meaning Mark and Kelly Aceta can't be yeah. on both of them. Yeah. Oh. So it's God. just, but you bringing her up just brought that up, but it's just so funny because it's like, it's really about being around them than it is about anything else. Even if you're in Maui for a sunset cruise, which is pretty good reason to, to go, you know, sunset cruise. <laughs> yeah. And that's the whole thing, right? Every 90 day run, everything, everything is about spending that personal time. It goes back to that fallacy around Spending time with millionaires isn't going to make you a millionaire. It's just going to make you more indoctrinated to the system that they're trying to get you to see. Yeah. Um, and it's so much of the industry, doesn't matter the company, the longer somebody's been in it, the more masterful they are at luring you in so that you're the one asking the questions about, can I get in as opposed to them asking a question of recruitment, but they're still recruiting. They're yeah. just doing it through a magnetic formula yeah. of, of being likable, trustable, magnetic, free time, always talking about the amazingness of their life so that people come to them and say, what is it? It's one of the reasons why you guys post that hashtag travel thing everywhere, right? With the sign. Right, with the sign, right? Uh -huh. So that people got to see that yep. and then ask you yep. about it. It was like an yeah. attempt to be this magnetic recruiting tool. Yep. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, because once you learn how to be a magnetic recruiter like that, you never, ever come straight out and be like, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of those CEO leaders, as you can attest, would do that from the stage yeah. and do their stage of like, yeah, we were just at our son's little league game and we just happened to be there and blah, blah, blah. And then I pulled out the sippy cup for little Jimmy and it said this on the sippy cup. And there was a lady next to me and she was like, what is that sippy cup? That's so interesting. And so they're telling a story that seems like a happenstance story. But that ended up being the wife of one of the largest hotel chains and blah, 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 blah. And so this seemingly random event is being told from the stage so that all the newbies that want to learn how to become magnetic recruiters mm -hmm. are hearing this. Oh, 
oh, so it's so much built into that one manipulation yeah. story, the lifestyle, the magnetic recruiting where you're not coming out and being like, hey, this is what I do, but rather you are a living, exuding example of success and free time and time with your children and time with your wife or time with your husband, all these key points that they're trying to make sure they hit so that they're getting audiences that are like, oh, that's me. So that your goals are like, oh my God, I'm going to become a better recruiter. I'm going to go to every training. I'm not going to miss any opportunity to be with the leader because that's the, the golden ticket. And mm -hmm. so you, you get so riled up in the, this model. You don't even see it happening everywhere. It's it's And to use the product in case somebody asks about it and to just maybe the next person, like it just keeps you believing that you're the next random person that you run into. So then you try to bring up the opportunity every single time you can and try to carry gear around. So people will casually ask you about it. It's, it's all like so constructed and just all encapsulated in that story. And you don't realize as the new person that oh all of that is imprinting. It reminds me of like the card you talk about because they could easily tell a story of, I just was paying for my goods at the oh, store. That's exactly how they did it. Yeah, it's somebody at the cashier says blah, blah, blah. And then this person comes in and they do such and such in 90 days. Yeah, they were like, because it blinks and it has your picture on it. So yeah, we went to the store and you just turn it on and the cashier's like, what is that? You know, And this is how they would justify that it sells itself. It See, sells people are just itself. asking about it. It sells itself. This is common verbiage used in probably every MLM that the, the product will sell itself. And the um, product of the product so that the product sells itself. That's exactly what they did. And that's, they were like, oh, this, this, this is a no brainer. This is going to sell itself. And I even saw a YouTube video of somebody back in the day who was debunking this guy in real time. One of the big leaders, Byron Trog. He's like, how do you know that this product is going to sell? And he's like, well, it just sells itself. And it's like, but you haven't sold it yet. And you only have a beta version you've sold to reps. So how can you tell people that this sells itself when you actually haven't sold any yet? And he just keeps like confronting him with that. And again, it's, it's, they circumvent it. They don't actually deal with the issue, you know, but that's exactly how they presented it. Oh, look, people are just going to ask about it. And then it, they're just going to fly off the shelf when it didn't even come to market. And they it's an addendum product. So mm -hmm. whenever these new launch outs happen too, they sell the field as if it's an addendum. So even if that's not your focus, of course, we're still a nutrition company. Of course, we're still a travel company. Of course, we're still a skincare company. We're just adding this to the tool belt. We're just adding this to the treasure trove. Mm -hmm. And really these are indicators that something may not be right on the inside. I now look back at my symmetry story and see that just like what you're doing in the timeline, if I would have done that closer, I could have tracked how when they were telling us to do this, this is what was actually happening. These were the articles about the FDA that were happening. This was when they started recruiting a lot of other teams coming in. So there was an inflow right around this thing happening. There was an influx of a whole bunch of other teams where meaning we assumed another company, right? And so we ended up assuming another company, but then later on, another company assumed symmetry. And Rudy was owners of both. Oh, but he never told us this part, right? It was only when I ended up at, at um, headquarters that I saw both companies on the wall at the same headquarters. Oh, God. 
And so you don't, re- that's a discombobulating moment, right? You don't know what you're seeing. It doesn't really make sense. And of course he's a businessman. So if you did ask a question, of course he's a businessman. Businessmen have, have stocks and lots of companies, stuff like that. Instead of answering the question, what, there's another company that's headquarters here or whatever, you get a thought stopping answer, like how normal it is that there's stock options and whatever, whatever. But really that was all being used as a transition that wasn't being told to the field. Oh, wow. That something else was coming down. And I mean, I had no idea and I was already gone by then, but it is interesting how, when you're talking about this, this is a strategy of the way they keep the field hushed when mm-hmm. influx of new people are coming in, new success story happens so that momentum can happen. They're mm-hmm. basically trying to save their asses. Yeah. And it literally is kind of like this da- last last throw. And if they can keep the field motivated enough, they can maybe get out of this hump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and get the comeback. So there might be some truth in why they don't want to fucking pee in their downline to let us all have informed consent that says, hey, yeah. this is the real thing going on. But fuck that. Nobody has the right to disseminate information in yeah. limited capacity when we're the ones reinvesting all of our time and energy to keep the machine afloat. I think right. that's what's most charging about this whole thing, right? right. Where my yeah. story ends you know, a few years later is yours picks up, but where my story ends, a bunch of other people were young and ended up in world ventures and then ended up in secret or whatever. And it just, yeah. It's a never and it just, ending it domino. Just, yeah. It just continues. It's wild. Fuck. Yeah, it's horrible. So um, I just want to say, as we wrap up, is there any last thing you really want to make sure you get out in this thing, in this story, whether it's about the company, the early recruitment, Marcus the, the Higdon group, whatever. Yeah. And nothing specific. I mean, I definitely want to, I definitely want to hold, I know I can't hold people accountable. And I know that some people will never get what I have to say, but if I can reach the people that listen to them, (laughs) that is, that is my goal here. And that's why I'm going to kind of break some of these things down, you know? And so um, if people that are listening to this, are affiliated. Like I know one of, one of my people that was on a previous team with me in WV has since saw your interview, Julie's stuff, he's gotten out. He's been like talking to me about, it's, it's been great, you know? So I know people are watching this stuff. I know people are watching your stuff. And then I know people are watching my stuff. And so if, you know, if you're affiliated with this group and and you feel like you have something to say, definitely say it. I do want to put that message out there because nobody's talking about what's happening um, with secret or what happened to WV. Nobody's out. Everyone's just going on to their new grift. And a lot of people are still very fresh and susceptible because they were left with unresolved issues with WV that they're susceptible to get sucked back in. So, you know, if you're tangential, if you know, these people or whatever, just, um, you know, pay attention, look at other things, reach out. If you feel like you want to talk about anything, I'm happy to like answer questions for those people or just kind of discuss kind of to deconstruct everything that we went through, you know, because I do want to make that point that if you don't do the work to to deconstruct from this, 
you are susceptible to get sucked back in again. So that's kind of the message about the whole thing. Um, I'll have a lot of information and my own content coming out about rank makers and WV and all that. So definitely stay tuned <laughs> for all of that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and I think you just make up such a good point is that it's not being talked about. And so a merger like that, it can do so many things, right? It can, even if you stay growing, it can it can breed a level of resentment and confusion that, if charged into the business can absolutely propel into high ranking leadership in an entirely new course of system, or it can do the op exact opposite, right? It can breed where you're staying there, but you're kind of plateauing yeah. and you aren't letting yourself see it. So doing the content you're doing and that Jen, I think it's just so fantastic because you got to reach that level of people that are yeah. being influenced by those people that don't want them to be paying attention to anything else. Yeah. So yeah. seeing people like you that they like and trust and then seeing the content, so important. What it's also reminded me of is that so much of the things I was bringing up about, whether it was Marcusetta, that was at a distance, but I was bringing up like Angie Ryder-Cuff and Jen Obert, but it made me, having this conversation with you made me realize they're a product of being in Travis Just's line because Angie Ryder Cuff would have been above Travis and then mm -hmm. Travis obviously would have grown his line. Um, however, it went down. I'm not really sure. But what I'm reminded of is that there be, can be, quote, good hearted people in manipulative coercive systems that have done exactly what you just said, never took the time to get deprogrammed. And they're just blindly moving right in, not talking about it, being amongst those people, not bringing it up, just focusing on the next best opportunity. Club secret to a lot of that Travis line, I'm going to th throw it out there, is probably a breath of fresh air for them because there's someone they know. Dr. Cohn is in secret. So oh, there ends up true. becoming a parallel. Whenever you have a parallel from a, this company, to this company, it doesn't even matter if you were in opposite teams, there ends up being this kind of weird, like nostalgic familiarity. And mm -hmm. there ends up being a sense of legitimacy that comes from it, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this, oh, this person be from 20 years ago is still here. And so this must be not only legit, but it must be even better if he's here now. That's right. And then yeah. now you have consumable products. So a lot of those people that came from Trek and, and, and Equinox are used to selling a consumable product probably easier than travel only. And mm -hmm. so there just ends up being, again, you're plucking from the tree you want to make the best of the next thing. And your content, I think, really speaks to these types of people that really need to know that the person that's enrolling them can be well-meaning, good-hearted, and excellent at what they do, but you don't know their 25-year backstory and yeah. how they're manipulating these historical relationships into this newfound success story. And that boils my blood that these things can be happening in plain sight in real time. And there are the exact same psychological mm -hmm. abuse tactics that happened on me, on the guy who wrote Merchants of Deception, all the people who had joined way, you, Julie, and more and more that are fully getting recruited right this second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any, any, um, any words for why you chose the song you chose? Oh, yeah. Well, 
music is very, you know, music is nostalgic. It brings up memories, brings up emotions. And they use that. <laughs> they use that in trainings to motivate you, to get you to feel a certain way. And a lot of songs that I listen to in, or that were involved in the training process, I, I couldn't listen to after because it just reminded me of the indoctrination a bit. And this song, so I chose uh, uh, Whatever It Takes by Imagine Dragons. And it's one of those songs that like they would play at the end of like A View from the Edge. Mark would be on stage and he'd like salute and it like sends you off. And then you're you're playing a song about doing whatever it takes and take me to the top and all these things in there that work for that network marketing thing. Um, and I just always kept thinking of that, you know, and I hated it because I love the song, you know, and I love the message of the song. And so I wanted to kind of give it a new meaning for myself. So I'm on the other side now, you know, kind of being like, I'm going to do whatever it takes on my end to to not only heal from this, to get the message out. Um, but like, I feel like I lost seven years of my life to this. I got a lot of good, again, I got a lot of good things out of this, but I do feel a loss there. I do feel a loss of um, opportunities, relationships, money for sure, just control of my own mind and things. And, and I think it's important to take back what you can. And so I'm going to give a new meaning to this song by playing it with this interview, because this is, you know, me doing whatever it takes to kind of write the ship on my end. So, <laughs> so well said, so well said. And it really is the epitome I, I I've learned is what, what it really means to recover ourselves from complex trauma is we are un, unconflating and uncoupling memories that were real from the coercion that happened in the same place. And yeah. it's, it's slow and it's a process and it's one little thing at a time, but way to reclaim a song and to add it to a part of this narrative that I just think the work you're doing is tremendous. I think Thank you. it's so necessary because there are people active in these groups as you speak that will pay attention to you, just like you paid attention to Jennifer. Um, I think about that if I would have done something like that 12 years ago, um, I had no capacity for it, right? I had, and we didn't have the internet the same. There were just so many ways you couldn't disseminate information the same way. So it, it makes me so oddly proud to be like, yeah, ah, you know? no, <laughs> hey, your support has been awesome. And you have a lot of, you're well-versed in talking about this. You have a lot of uh, experience. I mean, you can hear it in the way that you are able to put words to some of the things that I was uh, I was feeling and some of the things you were feeling too. So I just want to say thank you because um, being able to actually have like that open discussion with you about that and being able to like understand what these techniques were really, you know, and, and seeing it with different words from a different perspective really helps me understand heal and then it'll help me convey that message in in my own content so I just want to say thank you so much absolutely I feel the same way I, I listened to you and some of the language you gave to these things I was like god <laughs> that is a one-liner to take away I know I'm gonna have to like watch this and like definitely the one-liners <laughs> we're gonna have to make all these uh little short pod, pod short mini audios because yeah. some of them were such gems and it's so relevant that's what makes me most excited about this type of content being created is it's so relevant to people that are getting recruited right the second 
And there's no stopping this stuff. The best thing we can do is make sure that a different narrative is out there so that when people are searching, your stuff comes up. Other yep. people, my stuff comes up, Jennifer, all our stuff comes up, not just the indoctrination that yeah. these companies so amazingly whip through in new form over and over again. Like, yeah. Ugh. So, all right, folks, we're going to play this song for the copyright reasons. We don't play the entire song, but you can listen to the uncomfortable conversations on predators in business, community, and culture playlist on Spotify. Look in the show notes for a link. Um, and listen to each episode's contributed song, whatever it takes, Imagine Dragons. Too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling as vultures. Negative, nepotist. Everybody waiting for the fall of man. Everybody praying for the end of times. Everybody hoping they could be the one. I was born to run. I was born for this. Whip, whip, run me like a racehorse. Pull me like a rip. Oh yeah, you definitely need to go listen to that whole song. Um, <laughs> I can't help but listen to this through a network marketing lens, of course, because a part of my psyche is still very much wrapped up in the in that system. And and you know, true healing in in the MLM industry for me, folks, didn't start happening until two years ago. Not even two years ago. A year ago in 2022 was when I first acknowledged that what happened to me was psychological abuse and that it was a commercial cult. It wasn't an entrepreneurial thing. Um, and, and that pivot, that moment where you can name it allows us to see things for what they are and begin this reclaiming process. But it's hard not to hear a song like that and see why a company you doesn't use that in their training system or uses it rather, right? Because so much of these coaching training systems are all about pumping you up to what's possible. And your human potential is unlimited, right? It's why they have to bring the conversation of God into it because they don't know how to have a conversation of God, about uh, your unlimited potential without bringing some sort of morality conversation. Now, of course you can do it, but we're talking about the limited scope of these trainer systems. They're going to be Christian focused and that's all they have to use. Like they don't, and I say that not specific about what you went through, but what all of us are going through. These are tactical systems that are designed to, right, emotionally influence us into our superpower, our superpower of I'm unlimited, I'm limitless, anything's possible for me. If I have enough faith and I'm willing to back it up with my work ethic. You know, these are real principles that you can build a life with. And it, and it, you get love and you should have support and you should get mentored. All those things are still true. And so to take some real seedlings of truth and to wrap it around mainstream music, personal development, 
longing to belong, community, targeting people in transitions, using sales training methodology that's truly about offering something of value that people will pay for and then using that as a as a twisted distortion that says let's become really good at coercing people to buy what we have by drawing in the personality that's going to motivate them to buy it it's it's such a flip of the script it's so subtle I can't encourage you enough to go back and listen to this episode again and let yourself consume the anti-MLM content. Let yourself, even if you've never been in the industry and you put it into a corner, let yourself consume it because you're not immune. You know, it's getting so sophisticated. It's showing up in, in self-development. It's showing up in neural science and how we rewire our brains. It's showing up in cryptocurrency. It's showing up in so many aspects of life that all of us interact with. So to keep putting it into the category of why do people join those deals instead of seeing it as the course of control tactics that are fully at play in many aspects of all of our lives. Um, we can help to stop it by seeing it for what it is and to stop just supporting it as a product line or just supporting your best friend. You can watch the tactics happen to people we love and we can try to come in there um, more cleanly before seven years yeah. goes by or 12 years goes by. And we do have real pivotal moments of change, but it doesn't mean that the real amount of coercive abuse hasn't actually occurred and continue to affect us today. Yeah. So well said. Thank you. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your work. I can't wait to hear the update on this timeline. And I really want to put as much of my effort and attention to amplifying this because secret in the world venture stuff is all very much alive right now. Personally, I think it offers an opportunity to all of us who have ever been in MLM to come out and start telling our stories, especially if you have stories with uplines of any of these people, like come on out and start telling your story because every one of our stories is a like a puzzle piece mm -hmm. that helps somebody else crack the code of what's keeping them on that thin line of thinking it's an ideological difference instead of being able to call a cult a cult and call abuse abuse and call narcissism narcissism and and really stop this game that the Marcusettas and the Joe Delisles and and the whoever these other top leaders get to keep replicating out here in the name of a business model that's never been legitimate. Thank you, Kalika. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. You're, you're a blessing. I really appreciated this. Oh my God. I appreciated what you brought up about being Indian. I appreciated so many things. <laughs> the reflection is so helpful. You can't even believe it. And of course, we didn't know we'd end up talking this long. So I'll probably break this into uh, two episodes just yeah. because, um, but also just because like in consuming anything, right? The more, the more you can actually like let yourself digest it and then let yourself break apart from it as you hear somebody else's story. Yeah. Sometimes it takes days to digest yeah. and let yourself do it, right? Let yourself have every one of those moments where a veil gets pierced and a memory floods back and suddenly you remember something that took place. Let yourself have it um, and all the space you need 
to recover because that's all we're doing here is we're yeah. recovering ourselves from layers and layers of abusive tactics that, that kind of got painted onto us and none of it belongs to us. So thank you for bringing this story here. Um, we're talking about predatory patterns in business community and culture. If you have a story, feel free to reach out at gnguranishan.com. I thank you so much for your listening support and we'll talk to you on the next episode. This has been another episode of Uncomfortable Conversations on Predators in Business, Community, and Culture. If you need support beyond this listening space, you can connect with me at gurunishan.com. I'm a writer, speaker, and trauma healing activist offering free and paid resources, online courses, and consulting in personal and professional reinvention. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, please email me at gn at gurunishan.com or check the show notes for details. Please also like, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with someone that you love. Please remember your listening and sharing support is greatly appreciated. The information presented in this podcast are for general educational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed are solely the views of the individuals involved. By listening, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Nothing in this podcast is intended to replace the services of a trained therapist, doctor, or health professional, or otherwise to substitute for professional mental health, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Guru Nishan LLC and affiliate organizations shall under no circumstances be liable to any listener of the podcast or viewer for any action or inaction on your part as a result of the content you consume on this podcast or for any adverse reaction, including any emotional distress you experience as a result of consuming this podcast.